Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1045 with Chris Artinian. I don't care if you're running an ice cream truck, a taco joint, a steakhouse, doesn't matter. But restaurants are a venue where you can change the course of someone's day, their attitude. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO-optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees, and simplify their online ordering presence all in one. Book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software. My name is Eric Cacciatore. I'm the founder and host of Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. The Predictive Index, or PI, is a talent optimization platform that helps build happier and more productive teams. With the PI software, you will lower employee turnover, train your managers to be leaders, and keep your employees engaged. You can try PI for free and receive a 30-minute consultation from a certified PI partner, Ed Doherty, from One Degree Coaching. Head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it more butts and seats and that's not it if you are interested in this head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash rsp that's rsp for restaurant systems pro www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash rsp if you're tired of the other tater you ought to try tater cakes because it's time to serve the tater your guests deserve tater cakes are shredded potatoes mixed with delicious flavors all the best parts of a baked potato in the perfect handheld package from the freezer to the fryer to the guest serve them in a variety of different ways and in different applications great for dining delivery and to go with all the uncertainties of the world today we should be able to be certain that our food always has great flavor and tater Cakes provides that comfort in every bite. Request samples at tatercakes.com. That's T A T E R K E G S.com. Tatercakes.com. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, CEO and president of Condado Tacos, Chris Artinian. My man, Chris, are you feeling unstoppable? I am. I am. How could I not be? I was here with Eric Cacciatore. Psyched to have you, man. And, uh, you know, I recently it's so awesome that like you guys happen to reach out during this time because you were referred to me organically like a week before we we crossed paths online i don't know if you knew that but uh i was talking to uh adriel Le- lebarski who is 
behind Green uh-huh. Places. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, if you know for Green sure. Places? Yeah. And we had him on the show to talk about what can we do in our, our, our restaurant to be more green and how there's this trend moving in the direction of green. And nice. Almost where it's going to be to the point where it's mandatory. So get ahead of the curb now. Sure. Right? So you guys are a very progressive organization. How has it been with Green Places? I'm curious. It's been great. You know, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's always a, you know, a big commitment, but, you know, anything worth doing is. Yeah. And, um, you know, and at Condado, we're very much a place where you can be an individual and come as you are. And along with that comes with all this sort of like, you know, what's, how do we do right by each other? Right. And I think it's just, just part of the evolution of where we are of like, how do we continue to be mindful of packaging clean food, clean flavors. So it's been a great relationship from there. I love that. And um, I will say a little, a little plug here. I am an official affiliate of Green Places. So if you're restaurant you're thinking about taking your 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 green efforts to the next level and you're looking for some help i've heard some amazing things about green places they're doing awesome work and it's a lot to tackle by yourself to become a zero carbon yes so like don't try to do it all alone. yeah i appreciate that thanks so much no of course a little plug i can't wait to dive into really who you are you have an amazing career it didn't start with condado it's really been going on for a long time so take us back to the beginning where does it make actually before we do that let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a a success quarter mantra what do you got for us you know it's it's um it's early early on in my career, I, I was shared a quote by Winston Churchill that said, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Mm. And I think it just fits hospitality. Yes. And because hospitality is one of those great, great places or industries where you can change someone's day. People come for an escape, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm sure many hospitality folks that you spoke to say the same thing. But I'm a purist at this, is that I love being able, I don't care if you're running an ice cream truck, a taco joint, a steakhouse, doesn't matter. But restaurants are a venue where you can change the course of someone's day, their attitude. And I just love that piece of it. You know, the other thing, this industry takes a lot of stick-to-itiveness. And I love the fact that you're just met with new obstacles every day. So another piece of sort of beyond just a quote, the mantra is, is that, we, you know, Staying nimble and staying um, open to learning new things yes. as things evolve yes. is, is a and big this thing. This industry is evolving so fast. Oh my right God. Now. It's like your head spinning. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, and I love that. Like our first core value is we are students. You know, actually, it's first is we have integrity. And yep. then it's we are students. Amen. And then it's we teach because you've got to pay it forward. It's um, so true. Yeah. And I love how you started this off by saying we, we got to give. And I think as a, a self proclaimed like human evolution, human psych. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, biological evolution, psychology, uh, evolutionary, evolutionary psychology. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that the secrets in business are in understanding where we came from and how we evolved, and yeah. trying to recreate that in business. And wh- I think it's a human, it's 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 human basic survival to be able to be of value and to give. Like, I think it's in our nature to to want to give because if we're not adding value to the tribe, if we're not carrying our weight, guess what? They're going to shed us. It's, it's, so, it's so true, though. It's so true. And I think this industry really exemplifies that. I think it's so underscored these days. But it's, um, you really have that opportunity. People come into a restaurant uh, you know, to have a good time enjoy great food, but really enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the company. And you could be having a bad day or something happens, you know, um, maybe it's tragic, maybe it's not, Uh, um, maybe it's, maybe it's good times, but 
we're here to celebrate life and yeah. and you and and enjoying each other. And I and I love being a facilitator of that. It's I a lot it. of fun. Great way to get this thing started, man. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Take us to the beginning. Okay. Well, listen, I you know I I've been doing this thirty plus years. So you know. So I'll take back to the very beginning. You know, food was a big part of my life. I'm half Italian, half Armenian. Artinian's uh, an Armenian name, as as we were kind of sharing a little yeah, bit yeah. earlier before we we got on the mic here. Um, so grew up very much around food and strong food cultures. You know, mothers and grandmas and etc. Um, candidly, never thought of the restaurant business as a career, uh, but I was I've been around it. Um, as much as we love to cook at home and love all the flavors, we also enjoyed going out. And as a teenager, I, um, you know, bus tables and park cars and um, started to do catering and things like that, all, all as a means to just make a, you know, a, a quick buck. And uh, it's always been a great way to make some money. I actually went to school for business um, and, um, and, and finance and, you know, came out of school, went to, um, you know, went to work for Northwestern Mutual Life, believe it or not, um, selling uh, life insurance and, and investments. And just wasn't fulfilled. Did it for a couple of years. Was even, you know, rookie of the year in my agency one year and really exciting. But pounding the phone away at 500 dials a day just didn't appeal to me. And I always did restaurants on the side. And, you know, long story short, after some trial and error, you know, I, I made the commitment. I was married. We had our first child. And I came home one day and said, this isn't for me. I'm going to go, go back. You know, I'm going to make some money in the restaurants, figure this out. And just evolved, and I came across Morton Steakhouse, and uh, read something about Morton's, and, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to apply there. I, I'm going to see. I wrote a letter, believe it or not, to the CEO Alan Bernstein at the time, who I'd met like ten years ago. I was like 15 years old at some oh, really? event. Yeah, it was crazy. Because talk about a guy that remembers people. I met him over a burger at some like family event. And, you know, met him through a relationship relationship. I just remembered his name, read about him being involved with Morton Steakhouse. And I'm like, I'm going to write him a letter. I, I, I had lunch with him. The art of the letter. Like, the, it's such a lost art and it has so much weight. You know, and I, I wrote it and I'm like, what's going to happen? You know, do I wait for the call or whatever? You know, so, I mean, that's a crazy story in of itself, but I'll, I'll brief it up for you. He ended up calling me like six weeks after I wrote him the letter. He's like... Chris, I remember you. This is a restaurant guy. Think about this. I remember you. We sat at a picnic bench. You had a cheeseburger. I had a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I was just wow. totally blown away that he remembered. I was like 15 years old at I'm the time. jealous of minds like that, man. <laughs> it, it, was, it was amazing. But you know what it, what it spoke to? Like his passion for people. Mm. And it, re- it was just really interesting. Here's this guy, super successful. I'm 15 years old. I mean, I, at the time, I was like 23 years old. I met him when I was 15. I don't know what about me made him remember me or whatever, but nonetheless, he gave me the opportunity. And he so goes, "What was the reason for meeting him when you were fifteen? Was that just a?" It was. It was like my my, my dad had like some sort of work function, oh, okay. and he was part of it. Okay, so it was okay. like one of those things. So you you remembered him? You wrote him the letter when you're twenty three years old. Yep. I think this is also just again like the the power of a letter, and especially today because it's a lost art. And I think if you're willing to slow down to take the time to write a letter today, it's even more powerful than it was when you were you know in, well said nineteen ninety five. I yeah, when you started with uh, Martin's, yeah, with Martin's, yep, yep, yeah. Um, so you're making me think of Gavin Kaysen, who I recently had on the show, and he went to work for uh, Daniel Balud. Uh, I don't know if you know Gavin oh, Kaysen sure. out of Minneapolis. Yeah, um, no of. Yeah, so yeah. like, like again, it all started with a letter, and like he went. I think Gavin 
might have staged with like Thomas Keller or something like that, but he literally worked at one restaurant and helped Daniel Balud uh, as a student. And I think maybe eventually, like exact, I can't remember what his titles were. Right. But from that one experience, he went on to go right. start his own restaurant group, and it all started from a letter. You know, it's like just take the time if you if you admire somebody, take the time to let them know. It can go so far. It's it's so true, and and you know, and it's also you know complimentary mm. to what you're saying. If you don't ask, you don't get. Mm. If you don't inquire, if you don't seek, you don't get. And I was, I was at a time in my life, I was trying to figure out what was next. And, and I saw this, I said, you know what? I had such a cool conversation with him. I wonder if he ever remembered me and took the shot. All it did was cost me some ink and a page. Yeah. And, and he made the call. Right. And, Go ahead. It's crazy. And, and, and so when he did, he was, you know... You know, at the time, I was still selling insurance quasi, so I was on my insurance letterhead, and he was like, um, hey, wasn't sure where you're like, soliciting me for insurance, you're looking for the, it was, which was, was hilarious. I like that. Let's get, let's get to the point. Yeah. Why are we here? Like, literally. <laughs> literally. And, and uh, so I was telling him, I said, listen, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a traditional restaurant resume, I, typical teenager, bus tables, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for a career change. I'm married with a child, um, and I'm looking for a place that I can grow, and and uh, and he was just like, okay, he you're goes, like the dream of every manager, you know, like that's what what every manager wants to hear, long like longevity within my organization. Yeah, let's get. I to mean, work. And, and he got all fired up, and and he's like, listen, I, you know, you don't probably not ready for management or anything like that. He goes, but let me put you in touch with some folks. Um, and true to his word, not 15 minutes later, the president of Morton's at the time calls me, and he kind of called me half heartedly. He's like. Okay, Alan Bernstein said I should call you about some <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he was very nice and whatever. He's like, I don't know. And I, at the time, I was living in New York. They, uh, Morton's was based in Chicago. Morton's had just opened in New York City. And, and he's just like, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be in New York at. And, and I literally said to him, I go, where's the closest to New York you're going to be? I will find you. And believe it or not, we met in Georgetown, Washington, D.C., hot as blah blah in in july and i remember being in a suit nervous as hell like like this guy i can't believe he's giving me the time i remember sweating like crazy and being like oh my god this interview met with him and he's just like so let me get this straight look at you You're, you you want to come into the restaurant business you're in a suit you sell insurance you have some sort of restaurant background like what are you doing here and i said listen man straight up okay I'm married with a kid. I'm not playing games. I'm looking. I don't care where I start, but I'm looking to build a career here and learn. And I'm young. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I I just want to start. And I just think this this business is really cool. I think it really fits me. Yeah, get it more into that. That was going to be my follow up question. Like, why the restaurant industry? Because you said you wanted you know, a place to grow, but like, why specifically the restaurant? Yeah, you know, it's a great question because <clears throat> when I was selling insurance and 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 investments, the kind of the cool part of it that, that appealed to me was like, I can help people protect their lives, protect their estate, do, fi- you know, financial planning, um, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it turned out to be all about just the sale. It turned out to be, and, and, and at least in my experience. And what I loved about the restaurant industry when I was working in it, it was fun. And, you know, it was always represented a positive, good time, great food, celebrating with family or friends. And I'm like, I love this. I love cooking. I love entertaining. Like, why, do, why wouldn't I want to do this full time? So how do I make a career of this? I just didn't know how. So hence the letter, when I saw that, I'm like, you know, I wonder, I wonder if there's like a management program because I think I can make a difference in guest experiences and I really enjoy people 
what, why it makes perfect sense to right, me, right. And, and that's kind of what got started. Where was Morton's in 1995? So in 1995, uh, so Morton's was founded in Chicago, um, and it had about I'm going to say I think it was like six or seven locations at the time, and they just opened they just opened New York City on on Madison and. Uh, on 45th street between Madison and fifth. So I was living in New York at the time. Um, I, the president and HQ was in Chicago. Um, and they were just in about a handful of cities at the, at the time. Okay. Um, so I mean, did you have the foresight to, to be like with an organization that was, I mean, you, you wouldn't have known that they were about to experience like massive growth, right? Cause from <laughs> no. the time that you joined, what was it? You said three, how many, it's like you, six, Chicago, five or yeah. six. And where, where were they when you left? Oh, um, just under a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about like room for growth, you know, and I think this is a lesson. If you're listening to this, go to an organization that is growing, especially opening a lot of locations and ask to be a part of the opening team too. Cause I think that's a yeah. whole nother set of skills that you learn. It, it, you know, so as you can imagine at 23 years old, I was, ho- I was ho- 23, 24 years old. I, w- I was hoping just to get a job yeah. and, and get my foot in the door. Um, and, and yes, it was a growing company. Hence why I read about it. But but to your very point, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, what an opportunity! Mm. So I started at Morton's. They thought I was a little crazy, but we came to a deal, literally. And I said, "Look, I know I don't have the restaurant resume, but here's the thing, okay? Give me ninety days, okay? I'll sign whatever you want me to sign. I don't care. Give me ninety days because if it's not working out, I'll be out of here long before ninety. But if this is really what I think it is, this is going to be the best hire you've ever made. So how was it when you got there? So was it everything you thought it would be, and more? Oh, really? And more. Because so the first job I had there four thirteen an hour married with a child I had to move in with my in laws and my first job was in the, uh, was in salad pantry and and everyone except for my wife God bless her um, thought I was nuts like what are you what are you doing like how do you support a family you're this moving in with your in laws like this is not the smart thing and my wife you know trusted my instincts I was always a worker so she never worried about that. But day one, I walked in, I was scared because I'm like, all right, I know my way around the kitchen. I've been cooking all my life, you know, just with, you know, but informally with family, like, oh my God, this is the real deal. Fine dining steak, right. hundred bucks a head, da, da, da. Largest uh, fine dining to this franchise, day, right? Uh, all company owned, largest oh, all company oh, owned fine dining steakhouse in the world. That's what it is. I yeah. it was something like that. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, so day one, put on the, put on the checkered pants and, uh, you know, put a knife in my hand, started chopping onions. But the whole goal, the whole goal, as you can imagine, married with a kid was like, how do I keep moving? How do I, how do I go from pantry to line cook? How do I go from line cook to the floor, floor to whatever? So I spent about eight months full time in the kitchen working various positions. Um, and it was amazing. Um, you know, that first day, never looked back, didn't care about the money. The experience that I was getting was, was unbelievable. So that first year spent some time in the kitchen, Went and then transferred into the dining room. Started, you know, started working lunches. How much then, easier did that make becoming a server, knowing the the, the food that? Oh way? my god, I knew the menu cold, right. and 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 what was great, you know, it's steakhouse. So while it was fine dining, it wasn't kind of white glove, so you could have a little bit of fun. So when you start getting people fired up about the food and the steaks and the different cuts and the sides and the appetizer, yeah. and you can actually take them through an experience. Right. Oh my god, yeah. it's it's like a layup and. Yeah. You know, and, and and I'm just doing what I love, yeah. talking about food, serving food, ma- making people happy. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about like Thomas Keller right now, what he does in his, in his restaurants, French Laundry. No matter who you are, what your background is, you could have came from a, a three star or Michelin star restaurant and gone into his kitchen and you start 
the same place everybody yep. starts. And it's yep. because the power of going through all the positions and knowing the big picture and knowing how what the culture is and being sure. a fly on the wall. And I think by doing that, you probably gave yourself such I mean, I don't even know if you were probably aware of how fortunate you were to be able to get that big picture approach. Yeah, definitely not at the time. Yeah. You know, you look back on it and you just know. And, 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 and as I progressed in my career. But, you know, the value, the value of, of that also is only complemented by great people. Mm. Um, I, I've, you know, I have, this business has been fantastic to me. And at an early, at an early stage at Morton's, there was a, just an amazing culture of people paying it forward. People that were passionate about the industry, but were also passionate about getting other people to grow. Yes. So when I got excited about, hey, when I came in there at, in, in, in the pantry chop, they, chopping onions, they knew I needed to make a little more money whenever I could by, you know, how do I get to line cook? How do I get to the next step in the kitchen? And they looked out for me. And they said, if that's your goal, this is what you need to do. And this is what we'll make sure we'll give you the support to do and delivered on it every step of the way. And so, so the combination of loving what I did, the effort made, but complemented by people that actually took an interest. And I thought that was the coolest part about the restaurant industry. And in New York City at the time, we were a melting pot in, in, in that restaurant. Every walk of life, it didn't matter whether what culture you were, what gender you were, uh, you know, sexual orientation, whatever. It was truly my first experience of being in such a diverse environment, and and it just every day in in the industry got me excited about just celebrating people. I know yeah. it sounds corny, but 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 real because you get to you get to enjoy other walks of life, learn about other people in this in kind of cool, fun environment. It really is. So sorry, I I don't mean to ramble. It's just like what you're here to do, man. You're here to inspire. You're here to offer that perspective of what it takes. And I think the big thing I want to bring back to the surface is the power of providing opportunity to other people. Absolutely. When I first started this podcast, I was very against corporations and franchises. Mm. I was kind of like trying to be the voice for the independent and to empower the independent. Mm. The more I started to dive in, the more I started to realize that like, if you really want to serve people, you have to grow because I mean, there's different forms of growth, right? But if you want to offer security to people and give them like career growth and opportunity, as soon as you fill all those, those, those positions. And if you're not growing, then you're, you're limiting the opportunity for growth for other people. Right. Sure. And that's one of the things like, if we're going to grow, if we're really going to provide opportunity to people, we have to grow. And I think there is a sweet spot to be found. um, Well said, you know, but, there's definitely a nuance to yeah. it, you know, because I think, I think, um, you know, biggest fear of growth is do, do you lose the culture? Do you, do you dilute the culture? Right. You know, do, do people know sort of the DNA? Right. Uh, which I think is really important in concept. Which we can talk about yeah. because uh, I think you guys are slated to open 100 restaurants by 2026. <laughs> That's the goal. So I would love to talk about how you're going to scale culture, but let's, let's yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll get there. Um, so, so looking at my notes, you were with Morton's, you started in 95, uh, by 2004, you were the director of operations? Yeah. Okay. So, and then you, you kind of gave us a path. You, you started at back of house. You climbed the ranks in back of house, transitioned to front of house, yep. climbed the ranks in front of house. Um, is there like anything that we should talk about before we talk about that transition from you know uh, frontline employee to director of operations? You know, the I think the only thing that I like to accentuate during that time is, you know, there's people that talk about paying it forward and then there's people that actually do pay it forward. And when I, my experience in, in a young career is, is truly was, the bene, uh, was being 
the benefactor of having people that looked out for other people's careers. Mm. And it really spoke to me. You know, I didn't, be, I didn't go from pantry cook to even director of ops at that time without people looking out mm. and saying, let me spend some time with you. Let me teach you a little bit more about wine. Let me teach you a little bit more about food. Let me teach you about the finer points of hospitality. Let me teach you about what the proper setup is uh, to get your dining room ready. You know, what it, what it means to be accountable. What it means to be accountable without being a jerk. Mm. You know, to hold people to a high standard, but, 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 but continue to maintain their trust. Um, and, and, and keep firing, uh, fueling the desire to grow and learn. In, in a very organic way by holding a level of a standard um, of accountability, but also creating an excitement that says, I want to learn more. I want to be accountable. I want to be the best at this. And I was surrounded by folks that helped me continue to learn and, and keep that, that fire fueled. I think we got to pull some layers back on that one because you can't just drop some gold on me like what it means to be accountable without being a jerk. I feel like that's very transferable knowledge. So like pay it forward, man. Like to the people listening, yeah. how, how do you do Listen, that? Listen, I, I, th- I think we still struggle with this today in our industry. You know, I think some of the, the toughest things that restaurant managers um, or restaurant leaders have is, is trying to, to develop a great relationship, but also having the hard conversation that has, that gives them true feedback. You know, I look at our, our industry, it's a profession. You know, it, we were the second we're the second largest employer next to the government. I, I mean in it's, the healthcare too, right? In the healthcare, that, yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is crazy. I mean, so I think it's think government, then healthcare, then then, then restaurant. I think I you're think, I think you're right. Yeah. But either way, it's in the t- it's in the top three somewhere in terms of I mean, just you think it, right. it, just think food and beverage from yeah. from convenience store to restaurants, how many how many you know, millions of people are employed by this industry, but it's, it's a true profession oh, for and, sure. and done right. It can open up so many doors. And I think the the lost art or the art that we need to continue to refine is I don't care. Again, I don't care if you're running an ice cream truck or a fine dining steakhouse. It doesn't matter. You have a, you have a standard of sanitation. You have a standard of cleanliness. You have a standard of food quality. You have a standard of how you want to treat your people, guest and internally. Candidly, I think you, you, you need to worry about how you treat your people inside mm. first before you can translate it to the guest. So to do that, you have to, you have to hold a standard, which means if someone's doing something wrong, you have to have the ability to politely pull someone aside, not crush their ego, not make them feel less than, but be able to have an honest conversation saying, hey, wh- what went well tonight? What didn't? Well, let me, let me show you a few things. He, here's how we need to get better. Here's how I want to see you get better. Here's how I can support you to get better. Here's some tools to get better. And, and by the way, let's, let's set a reasonable timeline to make those improvements so we can get better together. Yeah. And then also be able to assess and, and move on, right. which is usually the exception and not the rule. In, in my experience, if you can have those honest conversations, you're going to build loyalty. Um, you're going to build trust. You're going you're, you're gonna to build someone that's thirsting for knowledge because you're actually going to give them some nuggets that's not only going to be applied for the restaurant, but it's going to apply to life skills. Yes. And, and I can only say this because I'm a product of people that figured that out and taught it to me. And I take great, great pride. And when I'm talking with my, with my folks that are on my team, if, there's a, if I have the ability to give honest feedback. And by the way, I have to accept honest feedback too because yeah. 
I am far from perfect. And, and despite being doing this 34 years, the day I stopped learning is the day I should get out of this business. And I learn as much from the younger generation today as I do anybody else. So I'm still trying to keep my ears open, keep my mind open, and learn from others. It never but stops. It never stops. Yeah. And at the same time, I want to continue to pass along those nuggets from my experience, the, the stumbles and falls that I've made. But it comes with being candid. It comes with being transparent. It comes being taking approach with an open heart that is looking to better someone, not tear someone down. And when you can find that right mix, it can be very exciting and you can build some loyalty. And I think that's the big takeaway too, is it's starting with the end in mind. Like I'm telling you this because I, I see your potential. I know where you can go and I I want to help you get there. And it's just, I'm being candid with you because I respect you, you know, like I'm telling you this because I, I want to see the most out of you. And I think when you really, when they understand that you have their best intention in mind and you're not just coming, you're not like coming down on them. Like you're suck at your job. Like, but like, you're like, I want to empower you. And like in, in here, like people need, a lot of people aren't self-aware. They need to be become, they need to be told what's happening to, to understand where they are. You know? Without question. And it also affects the team. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. One of the things I take great pride in was when I was a general manager at Morton's, um, I won the turnover award as in least turnover um, three years in a row. Wow. And, but, and I'll tell you, and, and I, people would always ask me, what's the secret sauce? Cause you know, it was, I was kind of a, you know, born and raised New Yorker. I had a little bit of edge to me and, and what have you. They're like, how do you, how do you do it? So we all play by the same rules. We all expect it. I will not have someone disrespect the group by showing up late. I will not have someone disrespect the group by leaving without doing their side work. I will not have someone disrespect the group by not running food. If you're not going to pull your weight, you can't be here. And what it does, if, if I do that right, or the manager does that right, or the team does that right, what it does is create a confidence that I'm going to work where we're playing by the same rules. L- allow me to be myself. I used to, I used to, I used to tell folks all the time, I said, if you just follow like the 10% of your time of just following the rules, the, nine, the rest of the 90% is just sell, make a great experience, and we're here for each other. It's all a team. We're all going to make money. And it doesn't get any better. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, I yeah. didn't have turnover. And right. let me tell you something. I wrote you up. If you were late, if you didn't do your job, I wrote you up. But I didn't write you up to admonish. I didn't write you up to scold. I wrote you up because it's my obligation to you right. and to the team to keep the standard. Right. And let's be honest. Following the rules is hard at first until it becomes ritual, until it becomes routine. Well said. And I think that what people, there's so much resistance. More human studies, Right. We are chaotic people. Like humans are chaotic. Yeah, we grew up in hunter gatherer bands. <laughs> like we weren't meant to exist in order right. and structure. Like it, life was chaos. Right. But the only way we can coexist in groups beyond 150 is through order because we all need to be aligned. Yep. Like we we need rules to coexist. Right. And it's unnatural. But once, but the the mind is incredibly malleable. It literally changes daily. It's so true. And like it, once you know how the mind works and you just resists like the urge to, to, right. to not do the thing but once you just do the thing over and over and over again it becomes culture it becomes routine it becomes ritual and that's culture you know and like it just that's just, awesome just do it <laughs> yeah you're so right yeah that's exactly how i feel about it and that's exactly what i've learned and, and, and again i didn't wake up with this you know uh, uh, this this was taught to me 
Um, I was disciplined. I had, believe it or not, I made mistakes. I needed development. And, and when I was allowed to do so in the right form, boy, did I flourish. So everything that you're saying is, is just spot on. I love it. And, and, and I've lived it. And I've, I've, had the, I've been a, a great benefactor at it through great mentors. So, I mean, I did want to spend a lot of time at Morton's because it was such a big part of your career. 2000, sorry, 1995 to 2012. Uh, again, director of operations from their VP of operations from their president and CEO of Morton's by 2010. And you were there for two more years yep. before leaving. I mean, is there anything else that we need to know as far as like challenges or like real true like career tipping points for you? Well, so when I was I was a vice president for seven seven or seven or eight years. Can't can't remember anymore. But um, before I got appointed to CEO, I had a unique rise to CEO because I went from vice president of operations to to CEO of Morton's Restaurant Group. So I went to Vice President of Operations of Morton Steakhouse to CEO of Morton's Restaurant Group, public company um, <laughs> of the holding company that owns Morton Steakhouse and another concept called Bertolini's at the time. What was that like? <laughs> it, I'll never forget it. So I'll just take 30 seconds here or a minute because the reason why I like to tell that, that transition, okay, truth be told, I, I didn't graduate college. Uh, I attended Villanova University, I'm but, but, I did. but 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 <laughs> um, I attended Villanova University, but 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 did not finish. So I didn't have the traditional educa- education of most CEOs and you know that are that are on Wall Street, right? So here we were, New York Stock Exchange Company. I, I get a call, and that's that's even a longer story. But I get a call from the board and whatever, and they appoint me to CEO and. How I found out about it is kind of a funny story, and, and there's a lot of details to this. But so when when the when, when it was going down and the transition was about to happen, I didn't officially know. I knew I was getting promoted, but I didn't know to exactly what. There was some change going on in the company, and I'm sitting down with our general counsel, who's going through some talking points for me and a quote uh, that they're going to send out in a press release because because we got to send it out a press release because we're a public company. And I'm reading it, and I'm saying, well, the only the only thing is that the quote says on the president and CEO, he's like, yeah, they didn't tell you. I'm like, well, they said I was getting promoted into leadership. I had no idea I was president and CEO until this very moment. That was going to be my title. True story. Believe it or not. True story. Was there an oversight? I I think it was just everything was happening so fast and who knows, maybe I didn't even hear it because I, I was just so like, what is going on? And then that night I remember going, oh my God, press release is going to go out in the morning. I'm going to start getting analyst calls of which I've never spoken to an analyst. Um, what's it like to be a public company CEO? I have no idea. I was a VP of ops like six minutes ago. And you know what? <clears throat> I, I remember sitting down with my CFO cause we had a, a investor conference coming up and I've never really been to an investor, investor conference and we were co-presenting and very fortunately CFO presents most of the, you know, the core financials I'm presenting strategy, which, no one knew it better than me at, uh, at Morton's being homegrown there and starting from where I started. So I got a little more comfortable with the content and things like that. It's decks that I've presented before. I just never did it to analysts or in the, in the public environment. The moral of this story is that everyone puts their pants on the same way. Okay. You know, you, you can get intimidated by titles. You get intimidated by Wall Street. You get intimidated by, oh my God, I can't believe you're running a public company. I can't believe it. Well, I can't believe it either. But the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, you got to get up. You got to have integrity. You got to put your best foot forward. You got to speak the truth. You got to, you know, do what you're passionate about. You got to lead people. Well, you know, 
for one, in one place or another, whether it be learning how to be an assistant manager, learning how to be a general manager, learning how to be a regional manager, learning how to be a director, this is just another stage of that. And what it taught me um, after the first couple of weeks and the, and, the, and the sting of the fear and the intimidation started to really settle was, you know what? If you're true to yourself and you're true, true to who you are and you can honestly say, I don't know when you truly don't know and you seek to understand, you seek to learn. You could figure it out. Yeah. Anybody can figure it out. Yeah. And so that transition, as scary as it was, I, I think that the night before, I don't think I slept a wink. So fear is an emotion. Oh, yeah. How do you overcome that emotion? What, what, is, the, what is the inner dialogue you have to overcome this emotion, to, to get out of your comfort zone, to, to tackle the thing you haven't done? You know, I think some of it's situational. Um, if I can speak uh, you know, for myself personally, I you know, a lot of times there's fear and then there's need. You know, for me, I had this burning desire to, you know, to make sure I was always going to be financially secure. And no matter what position I've been, I always have this kind of weird sort of fear that of like, it's never enough. And it's not greed. It's just like, I have five kids. Um, I've always want, I just want to make sure I never could not provide for them. It's human, human nature. Hu- Maslow's hierarchy of needs, physiological security. Well, I mean, right there. Great point. Yeah. And so out of that, I, so as scared as I was, there was this opportunity that, that I said, okay, I, I remember because the inner dialogue was, was terrifying because it's like, all right, what if, what if, what if, what if I didn't know this? What if I don't know that? What if they ask me a question? What if I don't know? What if, what if, what if I'm freaking out? And I go, wait a minute, what has gotten you to the dance this far? What got you to the dance from the first time I, I sat with Alan Bernstein, who gave me the opportunity originally to put a knife in my hand to, to, um, you know, to chop, you know, chop onions at Morton's, was being myself. Um, don't pretend that I know when I don't know. And just take it one step at a time. Break it down to simple bites and take it one step at a time. And I know it sounds so sophomoric, but I, I will tell you, I, I was up all night literally could not sleep and then at like five in the morning i finally had this calm and said you know what what do you have to lose what got you here is integrity hard work just being who you are take it one step at a time and you know what if you stumble laugh it off learn move on to the next and as intimidating it was i just stuck to that mantra and you know what i made it i made a couple stumbles um my first analyst meeting, that very first meeting, three days into it, I tried to crack a joke on stage because I'm a restaurant guy. I'm a hospitality guy. Well, I'm sitting in a room full of analysts who, who literally, when I, when I you know, said the little one-liner, nobody got it in the room. And they kind of looked up like, wait, wait a minute. That wasn't in the data we have here. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm not in Kansas anymore. But I just kind of rolled with it and, and, it went, and it went great. Different set of minds. It, just totally different set of minds, but it was yeah. a really learning experience yeah. for me. You know, read the audience, understand where you're at and what have you. Not, <laughs> not everyone speaks the language of restaurants, yeah. right? And, but, but anyway, I share that story really more to accentuate that, you know what, we all start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and the, the coolest thing about the restaurant business that it really, really accentuates, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what education you are. It doesn't matter if you have desire and you love this business, you can make it all that you want. I can guarantee you when I, when I started in the pantry at Morton's, there was no way I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I'm going to be CEO here one day. No shot. But you know what? Pantry cook became, all right, how do I become a line cook? Line cook became, how do I get to the front of the house? 
lunch server became how do I get to a dinner server? Dinner server became how do we come to a captain? Blah, 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 blah. All the way up the line was just next step, next yeah. step of where the opportunity was. Hey, man, in our mission statement, the first thing we're saying we, we do is inspire. And I think that you definitely just inspired us. If that's not oh, inspiring, that's man, awesome. I, Thanks, man. I don't know what it is. And we're going to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to talk about what happened next. This episode made possible by Owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and email sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit Owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. Most business problems are people problems, people not understanding each other, and the predictive index helps to increase that understanding between others. Hi, I'm Ed Doherty. I am the founder of One Degree Coaching here in Philadelphia. Predictive Index is a talent optimization platform. been around for over 55 years. It helps leaders to build happier, high-performing teams. My name is Eric Cacciatore. I'm the founder and host of Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. As somebody who's gone through the PI process, I can tell you that knowing who you are, knowing who your team is, can help you be far more intentional than you've ever been with your business. If you want to learn more about PI and get to work with Ed, head to Restaurant unstoppable.com slash try PI. If you click the link, sign up for PI, you can create a provisional account. I will set up an opportunity to talk to you directly and read your results and give you a little tour of the platform. See if it works for you. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. We're back. And after Morton, so you, you were CEO and president for two years uh, in 2000, what, sorry, was 12. It 12, right? Yep. Um, you leave and you start with Smoky Bones. Yeah. Um, real quick, what was the reason for leaving Warrens? Yeah, I, I, I wish it was my choice. You know, um, oftentimes when there's a transaction, which is what happened, uh, Morton's is a public company, yeah. and uh, we, and the majority holders were private equity, um, and they the the board had decided that they were going to sell the company, and a private company bought it, a Landry's. Uh, Landry's had their own hierarchy uh, executive team. Yeah. So none of the executives at Morton's were retained. Um, and so for the first time in my life or first time in se- my adult life, anyway, I was looking for a job. How did that feel? Your whole career, whole professional restaurant career. Weird, career. weird, because I was like, okay, you know, I was uh, in, in, in some ways I felt a little secure cause I made a few bucks. Um, and so there uh, was you weren't just cut loose like there was a oh yeah oh yeah no great question so so i was you know very blessed not only you know uh, did i make um you know a decent income as as uh, as, as the ceo 
Um, but also the the board was very good to me. I had a contract that that also allowed me some time of transition um, for for some time after the sale, and I had had stock in the company, mm-hmm. so made a few bucks. And and the nice part about that at that point in my career, and believe it or not, so seventeen years there, you know, um, now now I have got five kids. My wife and I have never taken a, a, a vacation, including our honeymoon, because I've always working in the restaurant industry, going, you know, kind of kind of you know. N- 100% at it and then the kids were getting involved in sports and blah 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 and we were always chasing the kids in the yeah, field. What was your wife saying when you uh, at the end of that journey after leaving your, your secure cush job with kids? You know on one <laughs> hand you know you know and, and, and I say this with, with, with great gratitude we, we, we had a few bucks in the bank for the yeah. first time probably ever and, and, and I didn't have to rush to the next job very very fortunately um, but it was scary because for me personally, my identity right. was, was there. And, and I, and, and as I said, to this day, I'm always worried about where the next, next book, I don't care how much is in the bank. doesn't matter to me. Where is the next book? I don't ever, ever have to worry about that. And it's just, I don't know if that's that, you know, that poor man's attitude just cause I came from zip. Um, so I was kind of, I'm like, okay, I haven't looked for a job. I loved Morton's. They loved me. I don't know if someone else is going to love me as love as Morton's and the board was very good to me. I knew them for years and years, got all this exposure and, um, my, my, um, even at the time that, and again, longer surfing of the day, my, my mentor, Alan Bernstein, you know, he had since passed. So I'm like, Oh my God, what, what am I going to do next? Well, I will tell you very, very fortunate. I don't think 24 hours went by where other private equity firms started to call me. Yeah. Um, because I think the gap, I think we sold Morton's in February of 12. I think I was working at Smokey Bones by May of 20, uh, I mean, of, of 2012, which was less than a three months gap. And, and, um, uh, it took some time. We took our first vacation. Uh, we literally call it our honeymoon, 20, you know, like 20 years in and, um, and, and enjoyed a little bit of time off. But <clears throat> I had this unique experience because, I had this amazing education at Morton's over 17 years of learning the restaurant operational business. But because of my mentor and mentors and the board that, that I was with, because uh, Castle Harlan, who was the private equity firm that owned Morton's at that time, private and public twice each were the main private equity firm at Morton's almost the entire time. I started attending board meetings and got all this exposure. So I started to learn to business of restaurants. What I didn't know until after we sold Morton's that I was, I was a unique commodity in, 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 in some ways that I understood how to be an operator also understood the word of world of private From equity, like the most base level through every position. So not only do you know, but you can also empathize with like, it, I think you garner a certain level of respect when you've like Ben and all those, uh, uh, you know, I'm on, on both sides, right? Yeah. Not, not only as a leader, most importantly, internally from, from, from the folks that you're leading, but on the business side of it with, with the financial partners, you know, they, the one thing that private equity or, or traditional investors bring, they bring a, a ton of knowledge, ton of experience, a ton, of, a, a ton of experience and, and education on how to manipulate data. Um, you know, they're amazing what, what they do. Um, and then they hire, you know, sort of experts like myself to kind of marry the, the, the business expertise uh, with their data knowledge and, and how to make great decisions. Well, I had this sort of marriage of, of, of this, you know, through the 17 years with Morton's and learning both sides of this and how to kind of nuance both sides. Because a, a lot of folks, especially at that time, because private equity in, in restaurants was still relatively young, 
a lot of folks were very intimidated by private equity. They're going to change the business. They're, you know, they're ruthless. They're this, they're that. And, and all private equity firms are not created equal. But you know, it, it was where the restaurant industry was going in terms of ownership and especially in terms of chain and chain growth and access to capital, et cetera. So I had this unique experience where I had yeah. the operational chops along with the understanding of how that I, mean, I would love to talk to you about the world of private equity versus say going public or something like that. Mm. Cause I think that, I mean, there's different options on how to get the money. Right. And right. Like you said, not all private equity firms are equal. And I think as I evolve as the host of restaurant unstoppable, I mean, I used to, like I mentioned earlier, like I used to focus only on the independence. Like I want to know what the most successful independents were doing because sure. independence meaning like, you know, one to five small unit operators. Sure. But now that I learned, I, I think that the future is somewhere in the middle. You know, like, sure. I think what I would like the future to be is more, you know, uh, you know, 20 to 100 unit regional operations, but like not like hundred, like tens of thousands of units because right. I feel like that's just too much market. Share. Sure. That's sure. kind of what that's just my personal. Sure. Um, so I want to teach people how to how to make the market more competitive so we can get more, you know, 20 unit operators out there that are like doing like a some kind of like equity share or something like sure. that. Sure. I don't know. But I, I'd love to tap your, your mind on that. So, yeah. Um, so you end up with Smoky Bones uh, Bar and Fire Grill uh, from 2012 to 2015. Uh, 2016, you join 2J's Deli. Uh, and you're there for a year until 2017. 2017, you are with the um, Beekman Group, which mm-hmm. is private equity firm private out equity of New York. Firm in New York, um, and you were while there. I think that they ended up working with Condado. Um, I'm always saying the name of this restaurant. I'm so sorry. Condado. Yeah. Condado. Thank you very much. <laughs> it hasn't reached the Northeast yet. It's so. all good. Um, so, like, I guess, like in that that stretch. Um, what was your personal evolution? Like, I mean, I don't, I want to make sure we talk a lot about what's going on with Condado, but yeah, like, sure. Is there anything that we really need to like, as, cause really it's about you and your journey. So what yeah. were your personal struggles between this gap from, you know, where we left off to like starting with Condado? Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, I think it's, I can summarize it pretty quickly. So, you know, as I was starting to say before, is that I had this unique experience. So I stayed, I stayed around private equity-owned restaurants, and uh, because um, I had, I had this unique—it was what I knew—and and there was actually a market, whether it be from a consulting perspective, um, whether it be from a um, interim CEO perspective, you know, where private equity was either just acquiring a new concept and they're looking for an operator with my my type of experience to. Um, evaluate the you know the uh, the viability of a deal um, to validate processes in a deal um, uh, as, as from an operator's perspective. Um, so you know it was very natural to me to understand who an investment investment banker was. Um, I worked with all the sort of the large banks um, and 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 were familiar just from investor conferences and being public and all that stuff. So I stayed around it. So. Smoky Bones, I got a, I got a call from a, you know a recruiter through Sun Capital. Uh, they had just bought the brand from Darden. Uh, it was turnaround, and my mentor at the time, you know, said to me, he "Goes, hey, great opportunity. You got a few bucks in the bank." He goes, 
I don't know what the true opportunity is with, with Smoky Bones at the time. He goes, but the opportunity to turn around, rebuild a culture. What is turn around? So to, no, it's a, a great question, and I'm sorry. I should have clarified. Turn this around. This is what I'm here for. I'm the dummy in the room to dumb things it, down. It, no, no, I love it. <laughs> um, turn around, meaning that uh, uh, Smoky Bones was basically in Chapter 11. Got it. And, uh, and it was my job to help Sun Capital kind of put the pieces together and get, and get Smoky Bones back to cash flow positive. Got it. Um, so... As you can imagine, during that time, everything was broken. Um, except this is the good stuff. The, the core food, core food was great. There were processes that were in there that I thought that they had changed. That that in in my view were were just you know you're, you're taking fresh product and somehow not making it fresh anymore. Um, and then, but where was the culture? So what was really cool about Smoky Bones that you know. Even though it was sold, there was still like this core group of people that loved Smoky Bones. I mean, they, they were like huge fans of it. So, so I got inspired by that because I started to tap into even like the general managers and, and, and the folks that had been there. But like, what made this place great? And it was about fresh barbecue and et cetera. So I started, I started traveling the restaurants and really learning about how, how, how to get into the DNA of this and, and, and start the turnaround. Um, you know, in, 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 in the three years there, we, 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 we step by step, you know, sort of put the culture back together. We started bringing, getting more credit for quality. We, we started to get cash flow positive, started to invest in some minor remodels and starting to build some momentum. You know, at the time, Sun Capital didn't want to, you know, grow any further than we were. And, and, and some things had changed. And, you know, I was there for growth and, and just sort of... At, Kind of ran its course so and very like a hired gun at this point. Like you developed a very specific skill set under a spe- specific type of umbrella, and in your skill is is turning is you know so you you could go in you know what the job done right looks like and you can see what's going wrong almost immediately that, and then you flip it. That's exactly right, and that, and 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 so so that's how it would led to two J. So the the pri- the private equity guys that that own Morton's had a sister fund that owned two J's Deli. They gave me a call and said, "Look, we've been through a couple of CEOs. Um, I would, you know, would you be interested?" And at the time, I wasn't prepared to move to Florida or do, you know. But I said, "I'll tell you what. I let let me. I you, you have me um, at least remotely, or and I'd be happy to travel into Florida. Um, blah blah blah. And let me assess the situation, work with you, and I'll help you find the next CEO." At the, and they were so good to me with Morton's. It was nothing I wouldn't do for these guys, um, uh, John Castle and 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 and, and company. And um, so, so I, was Beekman Group the the private equity firm that acquired Morton's and then sold it? No, uh, Castle Harlan. Okay, hence John K. Castle. Okay, who who was a relationship I had for twenty years. Um, uh, 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 was the private equity firm that owned Morton's, and then they had a sister fund that owned two J's, and that's why he reached out to me and said, "Hey, I have this brand got it, got it. that we acquired. Um, would love for you to take a look and see what you can do to help us out." Got it. So I did. I started out as a consultant, and so then here's, here's what's going through my mind. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Like in my mind, our job is to build people. Our job in the restaurant industry is to replace ourselves by by lifting other people up, so we can remove ourselves to go work on the next thing, and then we grow the next wave of people. And now, what I'm just realizing, there's a whole other layer on top of this, where the 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 the, the, the guys and gals of the top are are pulling people. From you know the, these private equities, getting their CEOs, like their 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 talent, these people, and it just keeps on going and going and going. Man. Sure, it's like ne- it's never ending. There's just layers upon layers upon layers, and it sounds like that's what they did for you. Is they brought you up to that CEO level, and then you know now they're just they they have somebody who you know how the, like how do you go to the next level? 
by removing by replacing yourself with a level I always thought like CEO was the top what's after that you know it's it's um you know, I think it goes back to the mantra of you're always learning and growing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's bigger titles, right, other than owner or or, or, or what have you, um, but um, but there's always opportunity to expand. There's always opportunity to grow, um, and and the business is ever changing, and, and, and whether it be the restaurant business or any or anything else. So it's really about what's the opportunity. Yeah, and what. What was relevant with my relationship with, with the firms that I worked with is that the, you build up a level of trust. Right. And, you know, when you're looking for a leader or you're acquiring, you know, a lot of times when a restaurant company gets acquired or a, a founder, founder may be at an age where they want to retire and they need a new leader. They, they need someone else that, you know, to kind of pick up the ball and go. So, you know, if the founder is going, well, your next leader, is, you, want to be, you want it to be someone that you can trust, someone that you feel like can diagnose the situation, keep the DNA, and, and sort of roll it forward. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I for, humbly say I, I built a, a little bit of a reputation of, of, of that type of person. Yeah. And, and no matter what the layer is, I think you need people to build people. So, th- like, you need, you know, like, you need to, like, find somebody who can do what you do, which is really, we're in the business of building people. And it just it never ends. Never. And, and listen, I think, I think one of the things that, that um, resonates with most is that I, can, I, I, have a, I think I have a good way with people. And I'm able to activate the best out of people, I think. Um, if I could say that, you know, without sounding arrogant. because It's weird. It, it, uh, yeah, like I, I can relate with what you're saying. I feel like I relate with that statement. It, it's just I, 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 I – people have organically gotten inspired by where I started. So they hear it. You know, they see the story. Started with a knife. Like, how'd you get here? And then they, and they hear, you know, all the layers of my story. For me, it just builds a little bit of credibility right out of the gate. And – I, I have been very fortunate that I can get people excited and, 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 and activate them and, and build a culture and things like that. And, you know, culture is such, a, such an overused word today. Yeah. You have to live it, breathe it. I honestly believe I learned about culture before I even knew the word culture existed because it was taught to me in ter- through tactics and execution before the word actually presented itself, mm. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, I think it all starts with that. You know, if you want to move things fast in an organization and you don't have trust in the organization, you're not moving. You're not going to be able to do it. People are, 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 are not going to believe. They're not going to get aligned as quickly. It just takes longer. If you have that alignment and trust, you can get into a room and, and, and you could, you know, start to really develop aligned goals shoulder to shoulder and really get build some momentum around excitement around it. You can do anything. Right. So... We got to dive deeper into this. If you're it factor, if you're the thing that makes you unstoppable is your ability to build trust and, and bring the best and, and, and excite people. How do you do that? Is it by aligning? You, you kind of got into it a little bit, aligning yeah. goals. Like what else though? Like what if, if that's really like your secret sauce? Like how do you do it? Teach us. I it, it, one. I think it's about clarity. You know the 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 word that's used a lot today is transparency, mm. right? Um, I think I think it's overused like culture these days, but at the same time, the benefit of transparency is clarity. What do you mean clarity? Clarity so of what? What's the goal? What do we want to do? Mm. Okay. And what's it going to take? What's the vision? Yeah. Is that safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's the end game, right? What is the vision? Where do we want to be? What is the end game based on our criteria, based on our DNA? 
what do we decide? Do we agree so that this criteria is criteria and DNA? What do you mean? So, so DNA. So, uh, uh, you know, right now I'm the president CEO of uh, of Condado, yeah. right? Our DNA is come as you are, clean, craveable flavors, core in, in, a, in a core values, in a, in in a, in, a, in a cool environment. Mm-hmm. That starts internally. So, how do we play that internally? What's that criteria? Well, we have to have a high level of engagement with our people. Um, and we talk about it. What does that look like, right? Well, that looks like what is our communication plan? How are we going to communicate? How are we going to develop? What are, the, what are the standards in which we're going to develop? What does our management training programs look like? What are our hourly training programs look like? Because it all feeds into the ultimate vision because if you're not talking about it the same way, you're not setting expectations the same way, you're not setting a criteria the same way to meet those goals, so, you're not going to see the vision. So clear, tangible paths for growth within the organization that's a vision. This is how we grow people. This is our training programs, right? Yep. This is how they're, this is how we create opportunity for people. Uh, you also said, um, Oh, the criteria. There was one other element. There, there's a lot you dropping on me right now. And I'm loving every second. Just, just keep going. Maybe we'll come back to you. No. And so, the, so, so, you know, once, once everyone's aligned on the vision and, and then you building the criteria, building the standards, um, but communicating them in a way of what is oh, the expectation, yeah. you know, is like, so, so what, what, what does success look like in our eyes and what are the steps to get there? Um, and you have to get micro about it and, and it's not about micromanaging or I don't mean micro. I mean, you just got to be detailed. The, step one leads to step two, step two leads to step three. Um, and, and to me as a leader, you have to activate, you got to build that trust. You got to build the alignment. Then you have to collectively as, as a leadership team, but this is going to permeate, permeate the organization. Then you got to collectively agree on what those next steps are. And then how are we, how are we going to hold them accountable? Right? Because that's what creates the excitement. Because if you're not holding people accountable, people think accountable means fire or hire. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Accountability has nothing to do with that. Accountability has to do, are we committed to this? <clears throat> and we're going to do it the right way. And we're going to do it consistently. Yeah. And, and if you're not accountable to it, you're not just going to achieve yeah. it. So forget about the way they're going to get fired or written up. That's not what accountability is to me. Accountability is, here's what we're committed to doing. Here's where we're going to know how to do it. And if we miss a step, we're going to lose our minds about it. And yes, we should lose our minds about it. Why? Because it's going to prevent us to be accountable to the goal that we set, to maintain our DNA, to maintain our standard, and the commitment we make to our people. And what's, so what's going through my mind, I, I, the question I had for you that I couldn't remember was the, the, the communication part and the framework for communication mm. and what you talked about. What is that framework for communication? I, I have this thing in my mind, but I don't want to influence what you're about to say. I don't want to make sure it's no, so, your own thoughts. No, so listen, I think communication today is ever-evolving. Um, so, you know, back, back in the early days, you know, Email was just starting to become an, an, an a company newsletter or whatever. Today, that's so irrelevant. Um, yes, we do. We do weekly communications where we have what we call the weekly fresh at Condado. And, and our training department leads it, but every department puts in updates and things like that. So that's one fashion of communication. But today, we're, how, do we meet, how, do we meet our, how do we meet our core uh, team is everyone's on mobile. So we're using seven, seven shifts. We're texting um, all through you know, different platforms uh, so we can communicate. The value of communication, um, oh God, there's so much to this. I, I, I can't even get so we're, we're, So let me even take a half step back. Yeah. The, the, the key about communication is what do you want to communicate? 
And how do you prioritize communication? Because a lot of times people say communicate. So you, you create a document or you create a platform and, and you're just throwing millions of things out there. And, 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 and by the way, I'm still guilty of this to this day. We have too many initiatives going on, too many priorities. Um, so how do we prioritize it? So I think companies that communicate great can learn every, every thing they speak almost monthly on how to evolve communication how do we reach and permeate because yeah. our number one challenge is we consider we, we could sit in our in our leadership team um discussions well how do we just make our how do we from where the time we decide what we're going to do how do we get it to the regionals how do we get it to the restaurants how do we get it down to the dishwasher and everyone understand it so, so how does this communication how does the message ripple to the very end so so how we do it today? Is that the question? Well, that, that, that's what I'm hearing from you. Yes, like, well, how, yes. That, that's the challenge. Is that is if the we're absolute talking challenge. about this up here at this upper management level, how does this message make it to the everybody so it's, that, it's, that is it. it's and that, soaked up? And that, and that is what we, you know, you know very openly, you know, it, it, is in a, it is a living and breathing process. Yes. Because the way people hear, receive, um, even the vehicle in which they get information today is in so many different ways. How, 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 how so much distraction. And you have, you know, and right now we're, we're, we're kind of working within three generations of a workforce within our industry, you know, and, and all three kind of receive information differently. So the challenge for us is how do we, how, what platforms, what is the form, how organized we can be, how do we prioritize information to ensure that it's, that it's into digestible pieces um, and it permeates down to the dishwasher. Yeah. So how? Huh. I don't know if I have the answer to that. <laughs> the uh, the uh, if, if I'm being fully transparent. Well, I mean, there's tools out there. Wisetail is a tool that people are using to basically these it, communication it, tools. That it's so popular. today in in what we do is we have a weekly newsletter. We have a, a program called Seven this Shifts. Is internal. This is internal. We have a program called Seven Shifts, which is like um, almost like. Um, uh, a, ch- a chat forum, if you will. Started off as labor management, but there's so much more. Now. So much more to that. You can you, you can you can write notes in there. You can put memos in there, um, and every employee could have access to it. You know, and Past get, sponsor of the show. We it, love Seven Shifts. That's the you. there you go. Yeah. So, um, and there's other forms of it, and 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 and, but anything we today. The reason why I say I don't know if I had the answer because I don't know if there's any one real answer today because right. I think I think it's what modes are you identifying within your organization that are working and what is not. Right. Today we're we're about right now we're, we're we are actually looking at new technology to figure out how do we consolidate our right. forms of communication and 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 still not lose the way people receive information. Have you heard of one huddle? We have. Oh, man. We I have. had uh, Sam Cayucci on the show, and I think that what I talk about using human evolution in like going with the grain instead of against it and just trying to figure out how does this thing between our ears work, yeah. I think what they're doing is really interesting and just getting the, getting the message across with this gamification of training and games and making it competitive. You know, you hit it right on the head. I think gamification is a big thing for us, and and and, and one huddle is, is is one of those that has a, has a great reputation of doing it well. Are you working with them? We 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 can't really say. Okay. Okay. Uh, the the um the, we we they are one of the folks that we're talking to. Um and uh, but but you hit it on the head. What they are doing in gamification and that level of engagement, not only internal for internal communication training, you know. Uh, asking questions in the, in, in the form of sort of trivia yeah. um, and making uh, learning 
much more fun, fluid, and, yep. and, and easy to access versus like, okay, watch this video on how to right. how to chop this. It's like, and then you're falling asleep five minutes into it. Yeah. Um, this creates a, a, a great level of engagement. Seeing so how you stack up that's where we're people, headed. Making you want to take the test over and over and over again Literally. so you don't look like the schmuck in the group. Exactly. Like, I mean, there's like human just things that we can leverage to help use human weaknesses to their advantage. You know, because it's going to make you better, right? Like, I would say human weakness, ego could be considered a weakness. But we're all proud. We want to be seen. We want to be equal. That's right. right. That's so right. use that to our advantage to, to gamify it and, and have people be proud of their, their scores and what they're doing, not just go through the motions. And, 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 and you know, Joe Kahn, the founder of, of, of Condado Tacos, um, you know, it's, it's one, of, one of the things that's really near and dear to his heart is like, listen, especially in the hospitality business, everyone learns differently. Everyone comes from a different background or what have you, you know, how do we meet them at their learning? Because this, I want to change people's lives. It's, it's exactly like his mantra. He says, I'm so, I'm so fortunate to have the success that I had. Um, I spent years and years and years trial and error as an entrepreneur and Canado, you know, hit, I want to now change people's lives, help them build careers and gamification and engagement is just a great way to reach, reach folks. So, you know, and that's why I go back to with communication. It's like today, gamification and those types of platforms, you know, you, you reference one of, one of the brands like One Huddle. I think that's where communication's going. And we just want to stay on top of it. Yeah. And, and that's how we look at it. I will reference uh, the episode 966, Sam Cayucci. Uh, I interviewed Sam. Really impressed with what they're doing over there. Um, and if you, if you, it sounds like you haven't made your decision yet. So I'd encourage you to listen to that episode. Yeah. Maybe you might learn yeah. something about the organization sure. that you like. But I, I love what they're doing. And r- what I've been sitting on this whole time, and I, I got to say, and I'm trying to be better about echoing the core values of restaurant and stop because yeah. the whole reason of having core values and a vision and a mission is so you, sh- you can share them, right? Yes. So our core values are we have integrity, we are students, we are educators, we are collaborators, we are communicators, we show up and we have fun. So when I interview guests and they support my core values, it makes me be like, I think I might have figured something out after a thousand interviews. I think I might have something, but communication to me is that like, so we are students. Um, we, we are, like you said, we're constantly learning. It never ends. You mentioned that earlier. We are educators. It's not enough to learn. You have to teach and, and replace yourself and pull people up around you. Right. We are collaborators. You can't do it alone. Right. Even if you know how to do everything, you're probably not the best person at doing it. So find somebody who is good at doing it. And then we communicate because we need to all be going in the same direction. We right. need to be all be, be pulling and you need to constantly be communicating like what's happening at the top needs to be communicated and echoed throughout everyone who touches your business. Right. That's right. So I'm trying to figure out like if I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow, so like we're relaunching restaurants, topable network. I'm like, I need to like shit or get off the pot. Like what am I doing if I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow based off all these interviews? And, um, I love EOS for communication, the entrepreneurial operating system. Are you familiar with no. that? No. Have you heard of the book traction? Yes. Do you know what? Yes. So that's their, within the book of traction, EOS is the process that they, okay. the entrepreneurial operating system is what they do. But within that, what, the way that they communicate is they have, you know, their, their like 10 year, like vision, right? Five year. And they have the, an annual meeting that re, constantly refreshes that. But then within a year they have their quarterly meetings their and their, their like weekly meetings. Um, but like it's this idea of like creating process, ritual routine on how to communicate. And like you were saying earlier, you can't just tell people what to do. And like, you got to tell them, you know, where you're trying to take them and what the opportunity right. is for them. And like the, the, the potential you see in them and like what they're doing right, but what they could be doing better. You got to follow up. Yep. You can't just talk to them. You got to follow up. And EOS creates a system for you to be able to follow up 
like they call it like the, your level 10 meetings like and they call it rocks is what they do you, you have these quarterly rocks then you have weekly meetings are you getting closer to your rock so it's, it's baked in it's baked in for you to be able I, to constantly be growing and, and that's why i love it so much well that and that really resonates with me because you know i, I think 80 percent of what we do is repeat ourselves right and i think it's really important you have to because because the nature of what we do it, the things that are most important we should be talking about every day yeah and one of the things I try to stay disciplined, and again, it's always a work in progress, is it's not about what the next new thing is. It's about are we doing what we already know and know is part of our DNA really, really well. Because, you know, I love the expression evolution versus revolution because I think that's exactly what great restaurant brands do. It's not about reinventing yourself every two years. It's about properly evolving not um, not only involving with the guests, but, but more importantly, involving yeah. internally on how we teach, how we attract, <laughs> yeah. and get people excited in our restaurants. You're never going to get there. It's constant. No. And like, no. you're, now you're making me think of, um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the book, Start With Why. Um, Simon Sinek. There's a yes. Name, yeah. So Simon Sinek, Start With Why. One of his more recent books is The Infinity Game. And that's exactly what you're talking about, is that the infinite game is there's an end point. And that's what was wrong. Mm. He, he references uh, Milton Friedman who was this economist who was popularized in the 1970s right. around this idea of the sole purpose of an organization is to, to return uh, profit to the stakeholders. Gotcha. And there's another guy that was around the turn of the 18th century named Adams who said the sole purpose of an organization is to add value to everybody it touches. And for some reason, we got off that track. And in the 1970s, this fucking asshole dude, Milton <laughs> Friedman, says, no, it's all about profit. And now it's just kind of like we're like starting to realize, no, it's not all about profit because you can only grow so much before the bottom starts to fall out. And it's not about infinite being the best. It's about the infinite game or sorry, the infinity game of yep. like constantly growing, constantly evolving. I there love is this. no end. It's generational. You create something that gets passed on. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, my. Wow. I love it. I love the fact that you're like a steel trap with this knowledge. I just, I drive around the country and listen to audiobooks. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but I love it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's like my, my infinity game is, is making sure the information that you have is getting out to people and that we're passing this knowledge on to generations so we don't fall back into the same trap. You know, it's, it's funny. You know, you know 30, 33, 34, 35 years into this, I am still. I mean, I'm 54 years old. I feel like I'm 24, honestly, still, because I still have such a thirst to learn. I, 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 I still feel like a neophyte, believe yeah. it or not, um, you know, even after doing this all these years. And, and, I, and I, I'm really inspired. What's a neophyte? Like a rookie, like, oh, okay. like, a, like a beginner. Yeah. Great question. I, 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 um, I, after all these years, what I'm most inspired is that this generation of restaurants is so different than it was 30 years ago. Different. Well, you know, I think one, 30 years ago, there was a lot less choice. So there was probably a little bit more refinement um, in, in restaurant concepts in terms of details of service and the teaching of the art of hospitality and things like that. I think, I think it's gotten a little diluted. I mean, there's, I'll give you a great example in, in real estate. Okay. Years ago used to be, used to talk to landlords and they go, well, I'm only putting one food and beverage outlet in this center and then I'm going to have a dry cleaner and I'm going to have, you know, a convenience store and blah, blah, blah. And it was about winning the game. Well, it was, but, but, but more the point of what I was trying to make was, was like, um, you know, food and beverage was like not an amenity as it is today. So today they'll put a, they'll put 
five restaurants next to each other uh, in the strip center, okay. whereas, whereas 30 years ago, uh, I'm only doing one, yeah. and I have to do retail. Well, well now Amazon helped with that. Well, <laughs> not, without question. And yeah. I, the other thing is, I think this fast casual exploded that because it created like um, almost specialty groups and then restaurants, right? You want a burger? You're going to go to a burger joint. Right. You're not going to go to a place that has burger, salads, pastas, yep. and whatever because if you're going to go to a burger, you're going to go to a place that just rocks the burger that yep. may have one or two other things that are veto vote. But Yeah, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the show is do one thing really well that you can scale because you can't be everything to everybody. Well, and, and, and because of today's environment, because you can go, I want you know, Mediterranean food, I'm going to go to a place that does Mediterranean. I'm not going to go to a, a restaurant that has a generic name that happens to have, you know, a euro on this <laughs> on the menu. I'm going to go to a place that does it culturally from scratch yeah. and, 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 and rock it. And, and today, you want a burrito, there's an expert for burrito. You want a taco, there's an expert for bur- taco. You want a burger, there's an expert, you know, pl- place to go for burger. So it's, it, so the cho- power of choice today has never, has never been stronger. I mean, you, you can literally sit at a light and probably pick off at any major intersection, seven to 10, do the exercise, seven to 10 food, from convenience store to restaurant, places to get food or beverage. Yeah, and especially a big reason why that's happening is because how people are finding their food is they're not searching by like restaurant name, they're searching by menu item. Exactly. So well said, exactly. All this is being driven by SEO and people trying to find what they're in the mood for For right now. So like... If you're a restaurant, like, and you're trying to like appeal to everyone's specific desire in this moment, it's too confusing. But if you do one thing really well, and you're known for that one thing, you put all of your marketing efforts towards selling that one thing and being discovered for that one thing, and building systems and processes and procedures around that one thing, and training around that one thing, you're gonna fucking blow that one thing out of the water, man. Yeah, you're gonna get discovered, and there's a lot of power to it. Yeah, this is what. um, Well said. Do you know uh, Kathleen? Woods, Kathleen Woods. Uh, she was with uh, Keynes, uh, raising Keynes. Oh Jim yes, Vineyard. yeah. She know of her? Owner. I don't know her personally. She's now yes. Coaching. She talks about the one thing. What's your one thing? Yes. Uh, I have good friends with Ed Doherty. What one degree? And now, now these people are getting really smart about coaching around doing one thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, and I and I think it's fairly relevant today, and I don't think it's going away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think now is a good time to take our next break, uh, and then we'll come back and start talking about where you are today and why you're doing the work you're doing today. Okay. Sounds great. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, 
with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. If you're tired of the other tater, you ought to try tater cakes because it's time to serve the tater your guests deserve. Tater cakes are shredded potatoes mixed with delicious flavors. All the best parts of a baked potato in the perfect handheld package. From the freezer to the fryer to your guests, tater cakes comes in a variety of flavors, including bacon, cheddar, chive, buffalo chicken, bacon, jalapeno, and more. And I got to hone in a little bit deeper here on this deliciousness. Bacon, cheddar, chive features creamy cheddar cheese, big bacon bites, sour cream and a hint of chives and of course crispy crunchy potatoes mm, sign me up for that you can serve them in a variety of different ways and in many different applications great for dining delivery and to go with all the uncertainties in the world today we should be certain that our food always has great flavor and tater cakes provides that comfort in every bite request samples at tatercakes.com that's t-a-t-e-r-k-e-g-s.com tatercakes.com so I think now we can kind of transition to um, how you found yourself as the CEO and president of Condado. Yeah. So unique story. You know, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I was with the Beekman Group, a private equity firm um, out of New York. Uh, uh, so I had a unique opportunity to become a managing director uh, with the Beekman Group. Um, and um, uh, more to complement the investor professionals uh, being an, a, as an operator. So for three years, I looked at probably, I don't know, 150 restaurant deals a year um, and uh, sat on a few different restaurant boards uh, along with the group. And, and, you know, in the process, you know, discovered Joe Kahn and Condado. Um, So uh, about a year before we acquired uh, Condado at Beekman, you know, I met Joe at a conference, Joe Kahn, the the founder, and, and, and I was like, ooh, this is a cool concept. Simple menu, right? Tacos, queso, um, um, uh, guacamole, and a ton of margaritas. Yeah. And, and a very simple menu, clean, favorite, no preservatives, um, clean flavors, build, and, and you can build your own taco, build your own bowl. And I'm like, you know, this checks a lot of boxes in terms of clean, uh, relevant, casual, focused menu. It, 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 and it, it's in full serve, but margaritas, it can play. good volume. Margaritas, or, you know, great volume. volume. I mean, I mean, right, I mean we we sell. Believe it or not, our our Alk mix in a full service restaurant is thirty five percent. So, which is high. Um, you know, next to a bar. I've actually uh, been to a Condados, and I didn't realize where I was when in that moment. It was like this year, like earlier this year. Um, I helped my friend move the to Columbus, Ohio, and she lives across the street from a Condados. Condados, yeah. and um. I was like, this place is great. And then within the year, like you're being recommended to me. And I didn't realize it until I came back to Columbus. I was That's like, Oh, awesome. I was at one already. I and mean, I didn't even like, like I didn't connect the dots, but yeah, I mean, it was, it, I love the margaritas are really, Oh, thanks so much. At least two. No. And, 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 and I, <laughs> as you should, as you should. And, and, and we're really proud of, you know, everything that we do is fresh and, and, 
you know, with clean ingredients, no preservative, preservatives, etc. So when I when uh, we, we when I met with Joe Khan, I saw this. I was like, wow, this checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. A lot of fun. We started learning about the uh, concept. Can we dial it back a little yeah, bit? Like, sure. help us understand where was Condados before. So the the original started in in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. um, right down the block from uh, Ohio State University yeah. in the short north of of, of um, Columbus, um, and the original concept was about like just being kind of this hipster cool uh, spot um, with just in, in an atmosphere that is come as you are with craveable food. Okay, um, and where were they before you they, they, they landed on your radar? They opened in 2014, correct? Yes. Um, and you discovered them in 2000? I discovered them in 2000, end of 2018 going into 2019. And were they seeking out, um, were they trying to find they, private equity? At the time, they were just exploring that opportunity. So they were just starting to attend conferences to see, you know, is this something we would want to do? So did you say 2017? Two, 2019. 2019? Uh, 2000, 2000, well, end of 2017, 2018 is when I first heard about it. And we probably started getting engaged around 2019. Okay. So uh, where were they in 2019? As 2019 as- in, in terms of states. So they were, yeah, yeah. How so, many locations were so, there? So uh, let's see. When we acquired in 2020. Yeah. So let me just back that up. When we acquired in 2020, I think there were 11 restaurants with five in the pipeline. Okay. Um, 11 restaurants open with five in the pipeline. Give, give or take one. I may be off one. Um, so when I first met them, I think there were six restaurants or seven um, that were predominantly in Ohio and Pittsburgh um, and at the time, Indy. Um, yeah, Indianapolis, and uh, so that that was that was the footprint at the time. What was the pain they were feeling? Where they said we need to go get private equity. It was you know Joe Kahn, um started another brand and had had been through this once before, and what he learned. He started the, a restaurant and failed, right? Well, it, no. Um, oh, oh, he started a couple of restaurants and failed early on, like many yeah. restaurant yeah, yeah. Re- restaurant entrepreneurs. But um, the undergraduate, he, 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 he <laughs> exactly well said. Um, his original sort of. Um, concept was a, a very similar concept uh not to be named is, is um and he had a kind of a uh you know like many times just a falling out with the partners for one reason or another not not, not worth going into i mean the, that's one of the reasons why i lean so much into the conversation of partnerships not your partnerships so i understand you don't you can't talk about but i'm constantly asking about partnerships it gets weird but at the same time i feel like we don't talk about it because it's so weird but we need to talk about you it. you know it it's it, it was it's not an uncommon story i could say this is that you know it, it was just different vision yeah. of what was wanted and 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 um joe's a dreamer joe yeah. Khan is he's a dreamer relate. He, what's that? I said I can relate. I'm trying to change the world, man. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, and, and well, and 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 Joe is very much that way. And so they, you know, they they kind of parted ways for 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 one reason or another. And Joe sort of recreated the concept, um, Condado, you know, in Columbus, and um, and and the, the vision that he had from what what he smartly learned from is like I got to if I really want to scale this thing and make a difference. I got to surround myself with the right people. Yep. So he got to, it, he did. And, do it alone. And, and, and Johnny Zila, who, who's our COO today at, at Condado was his day one, uh, for, you know, like, like almost his first hire. I think if not the first hire, he was actually looking to get away from the restaurant business. And he just wanted a bartender shift just to kind of, you know, figure out what he was going to do next. He was getting kind of burned out and met Joe and, and, uh, um, you know, and then, and then, and then, next thing you know, 
he started bartending and Blink, six months later, he's like basically the director of ops and now he's our chief operating officer. But he and Joe just had this vision of like, we want to do something different, something craveable. Um, and Joe started to surround himself. So when he got to like four, three, four, five restaurants, like if I really want to scale this, I got to surround myself with people that have done this before. Yeah, what I call this is building the house before you move into it. You can't start to build and you not have people and things in position, the organizational structure in position before right. you move into it. But the organizational structure comes at multiple six-figure incomes. Yeah, sure. You know, and you need those things. So that that's why a lot of people go to get the the uh, investment because they can't come up with the cash flow to support that team they need from day one. And not everybody's willing to do it for sweat equity. Well, and, 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 and that's just right. And that's, uh, that's the hurdle. And, yeah. and are you willing to make that commitment? Are you willing to give up that kind of cash? And, and, and in Joe's case, he was willing to give up, make, make his own sacrifices for, for personal income and things like that to invest in others. For, why I just for the bigger my, price. my car basically yeah. so I can grow a restaurant and stop but, well, I can totally relate to this but how many great opportunities yeah. entrepreneurs do that yeah. and, 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 and realize that there's a bigger prize if I do this right and I surround myself with the right people um, there, there, there could be a, you know I'm going I'm to get what I want to achieve the and, pie my slice of the pie might be smaller but the pie is bigger yes and, and the, you know we can go further together and might be getting a, sl- a smaller slice but that is still going to be bigger than a small pie for myself. That's exactly, and, and that was Joe's philosophy. So he started, you know, he, he, he got an experienced CFO, he got a, a development uh, guy on the on the real estate side, and and started to build the team. So when, when we when we came to Joe, he had just started to formulate this team, and they were starting to mature together. So they were ready ready to go. And what his goals were at the time, as, as I learned from, from meeting him, was like, look. I, I know what my capabilities are, and we could sure we can grow one or two. He goes, but I want I want to I want to build this. I want to I want to create jobs. I want to yeah. make a difference in people, and and to be able to do that in this environment, you know, I I, I need a partner who knows how to do it, yeah. and um and and that's where that's where you know Beekman came in at the time. So you started looking um at uh you know what what he had built up to this point, and you were saying to yourself, okay, like here are the things: simple menu, clean, no preservatives, build your own, margaritas. Um, what were the other things that you were looking at as an investment bank, as somebody who was a part of a private equity firm, uh, Beekman? What were you looking for? What do you continue to look for? What should we be mindful of if we're maybe thinking, maybe I need to go to a private investor, right? Yeah. Like, What things should we be thinking about to become appealing to those private investors? Yeah, I think one is how do you differentiate? Yeah. So, you know, you know, <laughs> it's funny. It's like we did not invent the taco. Right? Condado did not invent the taco. We, we may have perfected it, but we did not invent it. Um, you know, just like many others that invent the burger and pizza and whatever, what, what makes one special? So, you know, what, what is, what, what are the things that make Condado different? So when we were looking at Condado, um, it was like, what, what appealed to me was, okay, clean and craveable was great. So the, the commitment to clean food, I thought that was very relevant today. Um, and to be able to say it out loud and deliver on it, it, it was unique, right? There's a lot of people that say we do this or that, or it's fresh. You know, it's funny. Fresh is such a broad term these days, right? Because fresh, depending on who you ask, it could be fresh out of the box. It's relative. Or fresh out of the ground, <laughs> yeah. and it's all I relative. I think the definition of fresh is not frozen. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's probably the most prominent definition. Yeah. Right. Like if you look at it, like in like the world of restaurants. Sure. It's, it, it I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. So, so that was one piece. The two was that it was in this, 
this sort of um, attractive price point that was not the cheapest, but it was not the most expensive. So it was very affordable. So for a taco, it was very approachable. Our entry level tacos at four bucks, you know, and our entry level margaritas are on you know nine ninety five today. And 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 um, so it's not the cheapest, but you know, with clean quality, you know, we're, we're not attracting someone that's going to you know look for the the cheapest taco through a drive through or what have you. Um, but we're looking for someone that wants a little bit better food, a little bit better experience. And the other caveat here is that. 90% of taco was fast casual. Um, so at Condado, we had this unique, every restaurant has this unique graffiti artwork as you're, as you're seeing around you. Um, every, every place is different, local artists. So we had this twist of this come as you are, this cool environment that, w- that was a little something for everybody um, with clean, craveable, focused menu um, and this sort of fun, upbeat environment. And it was something that I just didn't see consistently being done everywhere. Everyone else sort of has like, you know, rinse and repeat. And none of our tacos are traditional. We're not trying to match up with the, with the Mexican street food or, or what have you. We just do a really cool version of it. Now, if you want to build a traditional taco, you could build yeah, your own all day infinite long. Infinite creativity with a taco. Infinite. It, infinite. It's just a, a shuttle to put whatever's inside of it into your mouth. Literally. I, I spent some time in, in Texas, and ever since, like, I'm like, I, I constantly have corn tortillas on hand because it's just yeah. so much fun to like anything you can just it's just a way to shove things into your mouth it's yes crazy. i mean it, it literally is it's, it's like you know it's like america's wonder bread now yeah. you I know think they're supposed to be bite-sized but i i managed to <laughs> um but what about ebitda what, what, what kind of things like that like in terms of like what to like how to grow our like the assets like how to like yeah. value your business and know what it's worth when you're selling it yeah, so, you, you know, that? is that your sweet spot? Or? Yeah, no, 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 I, I absolutely can. So, you know, I mean, it's a, it's it's different for everyone, right? But in, in the restaurant industry, I think there's some very core KPIs, uh, key performance indicators that, 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 that are really relevant. One, prime costs need to be south of 60, period, 60%. Um, because, I mean, it's just a tried and true formula since the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and, and, what, and, 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 and your prime costs, what are they, you know, um, it's your cost, cost of goods, you know, pr- predominantly food, yeah. paper, supplies related, um, and then labor. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, the, the better you can do of less than 6%, better, you know, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. And because this is a, you know, it's a people intensive business yeah. and, and it's a penny business. Yeah. So, so that's really important. Yeah. Um, occupancy costs, meaning rent, utilities, cam charges, things like that. Anything related to the building, you know, really should be south of 8%. Um, you know, and and the the lower you go, the better off you are because at the end of the day, you want to try, try to drive 20 or 25, you know, 20% restaurant margins considered like a good industry standard, uh, especially in all company owned. So now we're at 68%. Yeah. So we got 32% left. So what about profit? So, so, (laughs) you know, listen, uh, at the rest, at the restaurant level, gross EBITDA, you know, you know, can, can live at twenty percent, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna see company company EBITDA probably grossing around, uh, call it somewhere between fifteen What's and eighteen percent um, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, basically, gross profit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So awesome stuff. Thank you for those specifics. And this is the kind of stuff I love. Like really, like again, my mission, if the restaurant tour's job is to give their team the aiming point of what the job done right looks like and what's capable, my job is to be that for the restaurant tour. And yeah. those are some key aiming points that you just dropped on us. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I mean, wow, man, like what do we talk about? So like you said, when you came here, like, like before this, your job was to go into organizations and kind of like you were a hired gun to flip them. But it sounds like 
like that wasn't the case here necessarily. It sounded like things were good at, at Condado. Yo, like it was not a turnaround at all. Um, uh, so so how how I came to leave the Beekman Group and come to Condado full time. So going back to my seventeen years at Morton's, I never thought I'd find a home uh, again. To be honest, and I I was there seventeen years. Mentors, culture. Um, check the box on everything you could think of when it comes to people in terms of growth, uh, great environment, a uh, lot of fun, and longevity. Well, today, hard to find that in our industry. It's, it, it, you know, it, is, it can be very uh, transient. So I got very accustomed to the private equity model, hence why I went to go work for private equity full-time, which I, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I'd be like, no way am I doing sitting on the other side of the table. I'm very good at what I do, I think, on, on the operations side. I don't, I, I don't want to be full-time on the other side. But, you know, the nature of the business was changing so much. I said, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever find a home like that again, a culture like that again. Um, so I, 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 I took my took a try at private equity. Well, when I found Condado, Joe Kahn and Johnny and, and the team, I'm like, oh my God, this is what Morton's was like in, in, in its infancy when I started there. This is, this is pretty freaking cool. And I, lo- I love the culture. I love the people. I love, lo- I love the idea that they wanted to change, change people's lives, build careers. Mm. Um, and, and you just, it's hard to find these days. A lot of people talk about it, but it's hard to find a really, really lit, a, a brand that really lived it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people walk, talk the talk, but and and listen, one day you, you, you'll speak to Johnny Johnny Zila, and 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 John, Johnny is is a poster child for this. But how to set goals, how to mentor, how to change people's lives, you know, help them build careers. So I, I started as I got to know the players. I'm like, man, this is a really cool brand. We were looking for a CEO to help to help lead growth and bring some experience. Not that Johnny and Joe didn't have it. They, they were very open about it and said, listen, we don't have the experience of scaling this side. We want to bring someone in to help us do it. We, we know how to execute better than anybody. And, and Humility is a huge part of success. Knowing what, what you know and what oh, you don't know my God, and being you said willing it. to get out of your way to help what's best for everybody. Without question. And, 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 that's, and that's what Joe and, and Johnny had. It's just like, hey, we don't know everything. We, we just love the brand. And we want, to, we, want to, we want to keep the DNA. We want to keep the culture. But we, we need help in, 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 in scaling. So we, we kind of struck out a couple of times and finding the right fit. And we got through COVID. I mean, when, when, when we did the deal for Condado, we closed f- uh, February of 20. The world shut down March, like whatever it was, 15th or 17th or whatever it was. We're like, uh-oh. And, and we navigated through it together. We really built some great relationships and whatever. And, when, and after a couple of years, you know, I we were struggling to find that next leader. And I said, you know, this is a great opportunity for me. This is me, Chris Artinian talking to myself. I'm like, this could be a great opportunity for me to get back in and lead a company, great culture and, and whatever. I, 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 boy, I didn't think I was going to find this again. So I went to my partners at, at, at Beekman and said, look, I know this is a crazy idea, but you know what? I love the firm and I love what I'm doing here, but I'm, I'm a restaurant guy yeah. through and through. So, um, which brings me to my next question. Yeah. Um, you said not all private equity firms are created equal. Yeah. And it sounds like this is a really special firm. Um, what, as a restaurant tour looking to go to private equity, mm. what should we be trying to identify and what is a good private equity firm that is right for it? Like, like what, like how do we know what the good ones are versus the bad ones? What yeah. should we be looking for? I think in my experience, and, I, and I'll just speak for myself, um, and you know, is that, um, you wanna you wanna have partners that um, play in the space. Number one, so 
there are some firms that you know are not as disciplined as to what the verticals they invest in, and the Beekman Group is they'll they'll come right not out not disciplined to the verticals they invest in. And, and what I mean by that is is that wh- wh- where what are they knowledgeable about? Do they invest where they are knowledgeable? I guess is the best way to put it. So Beekman, you know, uh, John Triano, the founder of, of the Beekman Group, you know, one of his first investments was was a was a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee, um, and. It was a it was a franchisee that was you know in in so he invested in a franchisee for more Dunkin' Donuts. Or, yep. Okay. Yeah. So what, what it was he saw an opportunity. Uh, there was a business in, in 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 somewhat distress, and some of it was just you know lack of management on, and and some of the basic and blocking tackling. Uh, John John had just started the firm, very successful with with another large private equity firm in his history. He's a he's a really sharp guy, and um, so. This is one of the early investments. So much so, he actually even went to Duncan School. I mean, because uh, at the time, Duncan was, you know, really re- really resistant to private equity uh, being franchisee owners um, in, in those days. But John made that commitment that, hey, I'll go through the school. I'll do whatever you require. And he really started to get familiar with, with sort of the, the metrics of the restaurant business. He'll still, he'll still not claim himself a restaurant guy. He's a, he's a professional investor. But he understands the biz. He understands the key KPIs. He understands, you know, from a high level, what, what makes it tick. And I think when you're looking for a firm, you want to understand that look, this is people-driven. It's not just a numbers game. And, and by the way, just to be clear, 80% of our decisions are driven, 80 90% of our driven, uh, all of our decisions, I'm sorry, all of our decisions are 80% of them are driven by data. Right. But then you Why marry- 80%? Well, I always say 80%. Some of the investors may say, oh, it's 95% or maybe it's 100%. Well, this is a very I, special I, number that you just mentioned. Well, so I say 80%. What's the other 20? 20, 20, the other 20, 20%, 20% is, what's going on here? Is, is, is experience. Yeah. Because um, the human, the chaos. The, the cha- exactly. So I think this comes up. This 80-20 rule comes up all over the place. And I'm right there with you. And like, like we live in a world. And that's what happened from like 1970s when this guy Milton Friedman was like, it's all about the bottom line and numbers and profit. And we got to win. We got to be the best to what, what about the human factor? Like we are chaos. People are chaos. You know, we have to take into account the, the, just the part of that equation that you can't change is that right. humans are in this. Right. So like, yeah, like you, like I, I think that 80% is very smart because like, what about the part that is unpredictable? Like the, you know, like that, that like, and if we're here and we just have to have faith that the things that we're doing, when we help other people, karma, right? This thing is like what, when you give, you get. The more you help, the more that comes in. You can't measure that. That's no. the 20%. That's that right. It makes up 80% of the yield. There, that, there's this crazy bounce, and it just keeps coming up over and over. I, I think it's that intangible. So the, 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 the great part about data is going to help you. It's going to help you make great menu decisions. Yeah. It's going to help you make great real estate decisions. It's going to help yeah. you make really great business decisions without question. Yeah. The X factor is the people. Yeah. The X factor is the culture, right? You can measure it. You can do employee surveys and whatever and get a number on that or whatever. But at, but at the end of the day, that's why I, I, that, that 20% is about the human experience right. in, in, yeah. in my view and how consistently are, are, are you driving that, um, you know, how aligned is a group? Because you get the gra- greatest set of data. Um, but how you execute on that data is going to is going to be driven by that extra twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. And my listeners are going, "God damn it, Eric, you did it again. Your guest was on a tear, and you interrupted him with your crazy thoughts." But I did interrupt you. You're on. Can you pick up your train of thought when you're saying you focus on that eighty percent of the data? Like, what was your train of thought? Did, did you just finish it? The, 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 I just did. Okay, yep, cool. Yep, just yep. want to make sure I didn't. Pull no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're good. You're good. Um, all right. So 
really the, the format of today, like my show today is basically where did you come from, where are you now, and where are you going? I feel like we're at this place of where are you now, sure. right? And I am curious, what is the difference between a CEO and a CIO? Because so, you're the CEO and president. Yes. So um, it's unique. Uh, in, in, so a CIO is, uh, so CEO is chief executive officer, yep. right? CIO is, in, in, in our concept, is chief innovation officer. I feel like that, like that you're kind of confusing me a little. So yeah. like, what is the difference? Um, so uh, 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 the difference is the exact difference between me and our founder, Joe, Joe Kahn, who's our COO. Yeah. So I'm the chief executive officer, um, and I, I like to say, and, and Joe, Joe Kahn, the founder, is the chief innovation officer. So the difference is this. Joe is the dreamer. He's the creator. He can go in and look at tacos. He can go in and look at, look at the restaurant on the artwork and whatever. It's not my DNA. Uh, I, I, Joe, can, Joe can look at a blank sheet of paper and come up with a concept. I identify with Joe and, a lot. And, 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 and you would. And you yeah. would. I, 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 I totally yeah. get that vibe. I am the great, great replicator of a great idea. That's what I do best. So I am process. I am systems. I am helping build culture. I am, I am sort of the, the strategist that takes a dreamer, the innovation guy, yeah. the, the one that's going to you know, throw a lot of stuff at the dartboard. Um, not crazy. Well, sometimes crazy. But, 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 but take those wild ideas. And what my job is, if I'm doing my job right, I go, that's completely nuts. But I love it. How do, how do I get this into an executable form? Okay. And that's where the yin and the yang is. Yes. Uh, you need dreamers. You yes. need dreamers that push the edge, to push the crazy idea, to push the one that, that's the, that, that someone like me is going to go, that's nuts. Right. But I've been very fortunate to learn in my career, be like, you know what? Not everything's so crazy. There's a great idea in everything. So how do we make it ours? How do we make, how do we make that kind of really cool outlandish idea really like chewable and executable and, and how do we test it and whatever? And that's how, 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 how we complement each other. So you know my next question. Yeah. How is what you described different from the COO? COO is the greatest execution, the, the, the execution of, of a brand. COO, so our COO, Johnny Zila, um, who, who I'll definitely introduce you to. He, he, he um, pr- probably one of the best operators, uh, if not the best operator I've ever worked with. Um, he, he, while he is involved in the strategy and involved in the creation, what he cares about is how are we going to execute this every guest, every time, thousands of times over without, with, without um, a, a miss. And all the development, all the, all the, um, attraction of people and how to get people on board and how to get them excited and whatever Johnny leads. I'm the strategist uh, that takes the great ideas, puts the plan together and helps, helps develop those processes, processes. The COO chief operating officer is the great executioner, not, not, not in, in the, in the bad way. Not (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But he, he is the, he is the czar of execution um, in, in the restaurants and leads all of that. And then, and then our innovator is the, the, is, is the czar of the uh, of yeah. dream. And I'm pushing a lot of EOS right now because I'm really trying to commit to like, what if I, if I have to teach anything, what am I going to teach and how can I start teaching people how to execute all the things? So in EOS language, um, Joe is definitely the, the, the entrepreneur, the dreamer, the, 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 the guy that says this is what is possible. And then he looks to both you and uh, John as, or John, does it go by Johnny or Johnny? Johnny. 
you and Johnny are both rocket fuel. You're the people that m- take the dream and make it possible. That's right. Uh, but it sounds like there's a division between because it sounds like Johnny's more the people systems, the people. How do we make this possible? The, the maintaining the standards and, and focusing on the people systems, but you're focusing more on the bigger picture operational systems of how do we do uh, like the like how, like. Is that safe or like more like strategy? Uh, strategy. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, where are we going to grow? What pace are we going to grow? Um, you know, restaurant footprint. Where are we going to grow? What pace are we going to grow? Okay. So, sorry, did I cut you short? No. I'm going to make some notes on this because I'm going to I'm going to make you dissect this. You know, I am. Yeah. So, where are we going to go? Where? So, where? Where in terms of geography? And how fast? How fast? What's that? So, the 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 pace is important. Is it five restaurants a year? Is it ten restaurants a year? Is it twelve restaurants a year? Um. You know, and and then and then you know and then you know obviously I oversee you know all all the other you know strategies the departments of how are we going to help support you know making great culture whether it be benefits whether it be training systems and where we're going to invest in it and where Johnny compliments that is that Johnny Johnny is the one that's going to help manufacture those he, you know he's in charge of training reports into him and and um, so w- w- Johnny and I will collaborate a lot on what what the vision can be you know we'll take some of joe's ideas and i'll say okay here here's how it's going to fit in our strategic plan and johnny will kind of tell me what's what's really going to work and what's not and we challenge each other on that and uh um so i I am you know i'll take a great idea where does it fit within the organization where do we want to invest in it how do we get there and then and then work with johnny into refining that idea and then making it and put it in an executable fashion got it so you kind of figure okay this all makes sense i, I do really want to um thank you for breaking that down to that was very helpful yeah yeah um let's um, before we wrap up let's just focus on like in terms of the where are we going what markets i mean are you able to disclose this sure. information without yeah. giving away too much of your secrets yeah yeah no okay like what markets really excite you right now ba- like like based off of your brand and what what you are who you are what are you looking for in terms of growth in, in terms of where yeah, so I think we've had a lot of success in like these these sort of mid-major cities. You know, we started in Columbus, like like I said, Columbus, Ohio. But believe it or not, Columbus is a hotbed for concepts. I mean, it's where White Castle was founded, Bravo Brio was founded, um, Wendy's is founded. Um, you know, uh, Charlie Steaks, um, uh, Cameron Mitchell's, and, and the list goes DP on. DP Doe, which is the only Calzone franchise I'm aware of that exists right now. It's from from I Columbus, so. also. Maybe yeah, I, yeah, I saw one of the locations. The, the yeah. so I mean, it's it, but. We, 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 we love these types of cities. Um, they're they're approachable. But what, uh, say again? Momentum city. Uh, well said. That's exactly right. And and uh, so we've be, you know we've built out Ohio. So we have a strong presence in Columbus. We have a strong presence in Cleveland. And a pr- strong presence in Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati, Dayton area. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh. We have six or seven locations. Um, a uh, uh, handful in, in Indianapolis, a whole bunch in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, I'm sorry, Detroit, Mich- Detroit Metro, and then Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, also Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and, and we've we have started a spider down uh, to to um, uh, to as far south as Alabama this year. And and I think from from the way we look at geography to, to now, it's like about fill in. We don't want to you know outkick our coverage, so to speak, and and want to stay within sort of our infrastructure as we start to really start to plot the course across the country. So we have some infill where we're focused now. But if you look at between Columbus, Ohio, and as far south as Alabama, yeah. we have some real infill in the Mid Atlantic, and that's where we're going to be were focusing. Were you using the, centripl- the, the centrific circle approach? 
Or this idea of concentric circles. Sorry, sorry, concentric circles. It, it, what did I say the first time? It, Con- concentrical. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we're not in a spelling bee. We're okay, though. <laughs> concentric circles, which is this idea yeah. of starting small in the middle and then just going slightly out, slightly out. Slightly yes. Out. And I think it's exactly where we started. And to be candid, like everyone else, we, we, probably, we probably got a little stretched. Um, and so right now we're coming back into those circles, uh, as you describe, to, to do the infill. So why is that a good approach? I, one, you, you want you a couple reasons. I, I think one, generic for all restaurants, I think that you, to build a brand, you, you, know, you have to start to get re- recognized as a brand. So the, the more density you can build, the faster you can build density, the more momentum you can build. More brand identity. Exactly. So versus putting one, one here and then one four hours away, you may get, not get a lot of crossover. Right. So we try, we're trying to infill these markets to kind of build more uh, you know, brand identity. Two, one of, one of the unique things about Condado, um, which we haven't spoken about, is we have a make fresh kitchen we, we call a commissary where everything's centralized. So we are in complete control of our quality um, and, and why we can you know, put our name on everything that we do. 80, 80, 80 plus percent of what we do is produced in one place. We do our own logistics today and deliver. So um, we have a 26,000 square foot facility that uh, produces all of our product fresh and we deliver to our restaurants um, every other day. <clears throat> and uh, so in, we, we, we uh, in our logistics program, um, could also stay, you know, as long as we're w- within 11 hours drive, which all the locations that I mentioned, um, you know, that helps us keep consistency. Now, as we expand, we may add another commissary or we may use other broadliners um, uh, because we've done a ton of work on shelf life and, um, and still keeping it fresh, no preservatives, et cetera. Um, so that's also, you know, part of our discipline is that we, we have a very unique system where we're producing these things centrally. Um, all fresh, no, you know, no preservatives, et cetera, doing our own logistics. So filling it in the way we do, it just makes a lot of sense for our business. Got it. Thank you for, again for the detail. And about, we got to talk about how fast. So like, that's a huge one. I think this is where people get in trouble. They think like the, 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 the answer to, you know, success is growth. Sure. But then they, they grow too fast. Sure. So what, how do you find that? You got to grow fast, but you can't grow. How do you find that sweet spot? It's, you know, it, a lot of it is, you know, riding, riding momentum. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we, over the last couple of years, we've grown nine, 10, 12, you know, restaurants per year. I mean, we, I think we opened up 33 restaurants since, uh, since 20, uh, all company owned, you know, uh, it, uh, which is hard to do. I mean, uh, it, it, when you're all company owned, not franchised, you know, it's, it's, you don't find too many all company owned restaurants unless you're like a Chipotle or a right. Starbucks or what have you. That's, you know really, you know, stamping out restaurants, right. you know, faster than that, especially in a full service environment. So what determines your growth? So for us, you know, you know, we had this great brand or have this great brand and tacos really emerging. And we, we think there's the nuance of saying, listen, while 10 to 12 new restaurants a year is aggressive, um, we think we have the resources and the programs and the process to execute at a high level. And, and, and we have uh, knock on wood. Um, you know, and I what think do you mean by programs, programs, meaning like, how do we open them? How systematic, how, how have we refined our processes to make these things replicatable and automatic without losing the feel of what we do? So programs, systems, so, what was the other thing you said? And a program systems. I think that's all I said. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, 
So <clears throat> it's all about how do we replicate this. So when you walk into any condado, while the walls may be different, while the site may look a little bit different because we're, we're unique in every place, we really try to localize it up, that you can absolutely rock solid deliver on the food quality, the service, the friendliness, et cetera. So we train a certain way. We open a certain way through process, through systems. We have created a step-by-step process in which we open, to which we train, which we hire, which we develop uh, to in order to, to maintain consistency and also make it you know as easy as possible to bring new servers or new cooks in and, and learn our systems. What? So you said Joe's goal is to create opportunity what does that opportunity look like within the four walls of condados you know not to be cliche it's what you want it to be that that's what it is Uh, you know if if it could be an opportunity just to be a cook while you're going to school or a server while you're going to school and and you have flexible hours and and you and and you want to take advantage of of the flexibility of the restaurant industry but we also want to create opportunity where if you want to build a career um or you want to better yourself though the way Joe and we, and the way, the way I've always lived my career, is that we know that you may not spend the rest of your life in the restaurant industry, but we know it's the type of industry that if you spend you know, X amount of time with us, you're going to learn a skill. You're going to learn something about management. You're going to learn something about how to be a great em- employee, a great team member. You're going to learn something a little bit more about tequila. Yeah. You're going to learn a little bit something more about food. You're going to take away a life skill. Yeah. And that's what, that's what's most important. Now, if you want to change, take that life skill and make it a career, well, we could build that career right. here at Condado. And this is precisely why I am convinced that the restaurant industry has the ability to change the world. Because if we raise the standards on the restaurant industry, we have all these people who are coming in their first job in the world in their life is the restaurant that's industry. Right. We're raising the standards on everybody else. That's and right. People aren't going to want to leave the restaurant industry. That's right. And then we're still the most human one of the most human, like, I think we're losing that in a lot of different industries where things are becoming so streamlined and automated. Like, at the end of the day, you still need human connection to, to do what you uh, want I, to do. Listen, I, like I said, I'm 54 years old. I'm an old school. I think hospitality should never lose the human connection. I, I, I love the ability to use technology to our advantage to make things more seamless, to make it more convenient um, in today's fast-paced society. But, you know, nothing's going to take the place of someone actually the human uh, uh, nothing's going to take the place of the human connection the sincere thank you the sincere welcome um and i hope we never lose that in our industry and i think i think what i love about condado is the marriage between we're as fast as fast casual if not faster but we still drive an experience to where we're, we're making a difference in someone's day I love that. This has been a lot of fun, Chris. Um, we're going to wrap up with a few questions. And uh, the first question I have for you is, what is one thing about your business, a value, a process, system that is uncommon, that makes you and Condado truly unstoppable? Come as you are. Um, I'll break it down to as simple as no uniforms. I think no uniforms in our concept um, symbolizes that we want you to be the best version of yourself. So, that translates to your team members and your guests. And when I look at the diversity that we have within Condado, and I'm not trying to be cliche, I think it's the coolest thing. Listen, you know, look at me. I'm in, I'm in a blazer and slacks. I Everyone else I work with is in a T-shirt, jeans, <laughs> that's whatever. That's who you are. But that's, but that's who I am. Yeah. That's who they are. And you know what? 
I'm accepted equally. I was the corporate guy, blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter here. Yeah. And I think that is, that is the thing that really translates and appeals to folks, and, yeah. and it gets me most excited. What it communicates to me is come as you are because we accept you for who you are. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the mission statement is to change the world by inspiring, empowering, and transforming the industry. How have you personally transformed? If we're going to transform the industry by transforming one restaurant owner at a time, give me an example of how you have transformed. Who, how are you better today than who you were in 1993 or 1995 when you're getting You started? know, uh, I, I, I'll answer it this way. I, I like to think that I'm better every year. Uh, because of the experiences, I, I don't think I've had a year that's been the, exactly the same as the year prior. Whether it be business challenges, business cycles, um, you know, I mean, COVID ne- taught us taught us about how to be nimble and keep an o- open mind. Um, in terms of how I personally transform form the industry, I don't know. I'm a pretty humble guy. So how have you personally transformed? Oh, how have I personally yeah, transformed? How have you personally transformed? Who Who are you today versus the man you were? Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, you know, I think hospitality has ta- taught me how to be humble. Um, I, 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 I think the more I spend in this business, the more I, I, am, I am humbled by people and to keep an open mind. I, I, I'm a hard charger. Yeah. I'm a type A. I, there's nothing I, think, I don't think I can do. But I, I, this industry has also helped me sort of uh, take a breath to continue to listen and, and be better at listening. Yeah. And I'm still working on that yeah. today. I'm, 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 I'm not the best at it. Um, but I just love the diversity of this industry, and it humbles me. And I think where it's transformed me is, is to, to really create an open mind and some sensitivity yeah. to all, all different things. Yeah. Christine Miles. I did an amazing workshop with Christine Miles. She's an expert on the, the power of listening. Uh, so I'll maybe we'll reference that yeah. one to you too. But she also works with organizations to help organizations listen better. So I don't know. Yeah, I like it. In that, but I'd love if anybody's out there trying to become a better yeah. listener. But I'm, I'm curious. One more follow up question on yeah. that is: What is humility to you? How do you how do you define humility? Humility is um, you've never arrived. Yeah. You know, you're not at your destination. I don't know if I'll ever be. I hope the journey never stops. You mean the infinite, the infinity game or the infinite game? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And and I I I like to think I'm humble enough to know that I, I I'm going to continue to make mistakes, um, and I'm going to continue to learn, and that I'm not above anything or anyone. And um, and I just try to keep an open mind. This that is the way. last question. Get ready for it. All right. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants will be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Oh, um, listen, man. As base as it gets, I'll tell you right now integrity, period. One. Um, communication. Two. The ability to communicate is so, so vitally important. Three. Um, being present. Three. Being present. Right. I love this, man. Um, you've been a lot of fun, Chris. Oh, man. Thank you so I really much. enjoyed it, Eric. And, I, and you really let me push, and I appreciate that. Yeah. That, that's how we're going to really get the, the message out to you. Yeah. Getting out of like the standard you know, answers, I think, sure. really getting to the core of what makes this no, industry I enjoyed it. and the people behind it tick. Um, so I, I'm really trying to get to the point where I'm no longer deciding who becomes a guest of Restaurant Unstoppable. I want the industry to decide who should be made an example of. Yeah. So who was that for you? I mean, you- uh, I'll tell you what. You know, I, I, uh, you know, our COO, Johnny Ziela, is a, a great, great, great example of someone who's come up, come up organically in the industry, um, 
family business, started as a family business for him, you know, and it's gone through the cycles and then came to Condado has helped build Condado where it is today. He's just probably one of the best, if not the best operator I've ever worked with. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you so, know so many people. Oh, I, I do. There's another one. There's, a, there's another, another CEO um, by the name of Paul Macaluso, um, it, who was the CEO of another broken egg. Um, and it's kind of a sister company of, of, of uh, not kind of, it is a, a, another holding of, of the Beekman Group. But Paul, Paul Macaluso is another great industry leader. And, you know, uh, and, you know he leads a, a franchisor, so a little bit different perspective on, on, on his industry as well. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun, Chris. Again, thank you so much. And uh, you make what I do possible. I'm just a guy who asks questions, but I literally can't do what I do without people like you being so willing oh, to thank open you. Up, share your story. No, vulnerable. There is no questioning. Oh wait, I almost forgot to have you share your. Um, how do we? If we are inspired by this, right? And I know Conado is is growing really fast. Yeah. Um, how do we come join your team? CanadoTacos.com. Come check us out. Um, reach out to us. We're always, 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 always looking for great people. Yep. Um, please contact us there, and uh, we'd love to build a career with you. You got social handles you want to drop on us, or is that not your department? Dude, that is not my department, <laughs> but I'm sure it's hashtag, hashtag CanadoTacos, yeah, blah, we'll, blah, blah. We'll try to find those Instagram handles and stuff. We'll have all that in the show notes. This is episode 1045. Head over yeah. to restaurants. And by the way, we are on Insta, Snap, uh, yeah. TikTok, you name it. Um, uh, you look up Condado Tacos, you will find it. Uh, you, 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 will, you will knock it out and Either, you, you will find it in any yeah. of those platforms. We'll for sure link to the website as well. And there is no question. That is when I said there is no questioning. You are absolutely unstoppable. Oh, man. thanks, Thank man. You. Cheers. Eric, pleasure. Yeah. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Chris Artinian, for coming on and being a shining example of how this industry can transform an individual. And if we can transform one individual at a time, we can transform the industry. And if we transform the industry, I freaking believe this, we can transform the world. So thanks for being an inspiration, my man. And uh, as you're listening to this, I am in Kansas City. I made my way to Kansas City by way of uh, Columbus, Ohio, where we recorded this a week and a half ago, Lexington, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky to actually bypassed uh, Kansas City, went to Wichita, and now I'm back in Kansas City and um, kind of just hanging out here, ramping up to continue my trip on to Minneapolis, uh, probably Chicago, Cleveland, Toledo, that area, Northern Ohio, maybe Buffalo, New York, and then back to New Hampshire for the holidays. So if you're in any of those areas, uh, don't be shy. Reach out to me, Eric at restaurantstoppable.com. Uh, let me know who you think I should talk to in those communities. Or maybe you have a crash pad for me. Maybe you have a, a spare room. I'm trying to do this thing on a budget before I get into my RV. And on that note of the RV, um, I mentioned I was in Wichita. And I want to point out that Wichita is proof of concept. I believe that if I'm able to get into an RV and I can land in these cities and these, these communities and these, and these you know, counties and towns or whatever and just talk to people and take a very journalistic approach and just listen and ask questions um, and, and they'll, they'll steer me. The people of this industry will steer me down the right path. They'll connect me with the right people who are doing it right. And uh, I just want to say that uh, Timory and Patrick at uh, the Doodah Diner are living proof of that they just opened up their network to me their world to me and if i was able to stay there and go deeper and if it wasn't the holiday season i know that we could get some really great content so uh 
Timory also encouraged me to, to ask for help. And this is something I know to be true already with my interviews. Like if you need help, ask for it. The universe can't provide. If the universe doesn't know what you need. And in full vulnerability and transparency, the reason why I'm not in an RV right now is because I have... I went to school to become a commercial pilot and I had over $200,000 in school loan debt. And I still have, I put a, a big dent in that debt, but I still have a considerable amount of debt and I, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to get financing um, to get the RV because of my debt. So uh, she said, you know, you, you have this massive audience. Like there's got to be somebody out there who's willing to uh, personally finance this thing or to give you a private loan, go the private equity route. Um, and... I think she's right. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you want to support this mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry and this vision that I just laid out for you, if that's something that resonates with you to keep this, this industry honest, frankly speaking, I think this industry is kind of like the, the, the media has such a negative impact on this industry. We don't control the narrative of our industry. And I'm trying to change that with this podcast and really literally letting the industry steer the ship of restaurant stoppable with their referrals. So if all that resonates with you, um, hit me up, Eric at restaurantstoppable.com. Um, I need some support. I think I can raise a hundred thousand dollars if I start asking for it. And, uh, just thank you in advance. Um, if you're willing to support this mission and I uh, can't say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make this show possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi for your copyright and editing. Thank you. Callan Miola, our community manager for uh, doing your amazing work. Both of you guys uh, just so grateful for you and uh, it takes an army. I'm grateful for mine. I think that's it. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.